0: Now set up! Now set up! Now set
1: Welcome back to the ATI podcast. This is Barrett for episode 15. Today we are welcoming Marcus Newstead of Fister, Daybringer and Pathomite. Marcus Newstead is an Ironton, Missouri native with deep roots in the Manoa area. I first crossed paths with marcus while attending arcadia valley school district we talked to marcus about his humble beginnings as a local musician turning into a regional musician and then his advancement to national and international touring acts worth mentioning out the gate marcus was the basis of last flight home whose music we've used in a lot of our promotional materials so my personal fandom and interest in marcus's artistic works dates literally over generations. Marcus now is in three separate projects that are doing a lot of moving and shaking in the music world. Fister, Daybringer, and Path of Might, as we mentioned. We dive into how Marcus got into all these projects, how he managed his creative output and time, and his various ideas and practices in each band he subscribes to. Also, we will be playing some exclusive live cuts of tracks from each of marcus's projects today on the podcast so will you please welcome this week's guest marcus newstead
2: Oh, yeah crack it
1: no signature crack <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh,
2: any, anytime i do, i've done any sort of like interview at all like a phone or uh, yeah there's this dude from st louis shane that does a uh, rock paper podcast and yeah I've, I've done it twice and both times and just ripping beers the whole time that's hilarious. Just, like i feel because it's, it's, a, it's a podcast signature it's yeah just, i've caught a the, few of,
1: a few of their episodes uh wasn't pat in on there recently yeah did like a performance like i didn't realize they did yeah. performances yeah on the podcast that's pretty cool. i did
2: i did that kind of too i was just standing i it was in our practice space and i just turned an amp on and did a rumble by link ray but like yeah it's super down doom tune oh that's cool yeah hell yeah well i mean it's the same notes but it's just like i reverse the a down to a low a and nice yeah it was cool I mean I was just kind of messing with it before he got there and I was like oh cool instead of him playing a song from the band I'll just have him do that
1: so I wanted to start off by talking about how long I've known you Marcus I know that in some of my first memories of meeting you because you actually affected me a lot as a young kid at Arcadia Valley whether you knew it or not oh, cool. you know like you were kind of like a idol to me
2: oh damn man. In, in a you. lot
1: of ways you know, I always saw you as the cool guy because some of my first interactions with you, I recall, is I would stayed after school in the band room and you were playing bass. And I was just like a little choppy drummer at the time. I think I might have even been like in sixth grade or something. And you were up there practicing bass and you played with me. Oh and yeah! It was the first time anybody ever played with me. Yeah, like another instrument. Oh like, wow! I had only ever practiced like at my house, and I, nobody else could play with me. We didn't like have guitar amps. We had guitars, but not guitar amps and stuff. Yeah, at yeah. the time, so like nobody. You were the first time I actually played with another musician. Oh, cool, man, cool, you know? cool. So cool. it like, I was like, oh man, that kid's so cool, and he actually played <laughs> with me. <laughs> so actually, when I got older in band, and I would noodle around after school. I paid it forward and I was nice. there was a kid in there trying to play, you know. That's what
2: I mean. That was like you know. the only place I could jam with people, yeah. I like, mean, that's
1: there was like random people sometimes forcing more whatever common. song I wanted to play on, right? Right, exactly. Right, you should learn this song, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but cool. but that had a huge impact on me. And then I at some point a few years down the road, too, somebody was like, Well, Marcus is in bands. And if, I don't know if it was you that came back to AV because I feel like you might have already graduated by the time I was in high school, but. I just remember a portable CD player with Last Flight Home on it. Somebody handed me headphones to listen to. And I was like, this is Marcus's band? This is crazy. (laughs) Oh, dude, I was aggressively promoting
2: when I got out of high school. Yeah, that stuff, man. I mean, because like I wasn't, I had a lot of friends, you know, and I was, I mean, I just got along with a lot of people, a lot of different people and stuff. But like I would never consider myself popular by any means, but just a regular dude. Like, yeah, I kind of
1: saw myself the same way.
2: I mean, and I didn't really ever have, I didn't have any friends from Farmington or anywhere outside of the, of Ironton when I was younger. I never went anywhere. Yeah. I stayed, I had like, you know, the, the same like, you know, 10, 20 friends. Yeah. Cycled throughout my whole childhood. Yeah. You know, for the most part, and didn't really branch out. So like, I didn't really have a big social circle of people to draw sure. from. So I kind of, anything that I got into, I was fed a lot myself. And then when right. I started meeting people when I got in college and right. that just branched out way farther and like yeah. kind of the stuff that i was sort of into made more sense because right it's like oh well i would also like this i was never sure. aware that you could also like other things dude i didn't eat right. chinese food until i was like 17 years old yeah i mean i <laughs> The not wild not, not for any reason other than like i lived in accessibility right and yeah and like my mom and dad it. like i mean we cooked dinner you know almost right. every night and then we, we went to farmington to like go to Walmart or something to shop or whatever. We yeah. maybe stop at Dairy Queen on the way home, but or that, or we just eat when we got home, you know, like yeah. it's weird. Like I mean, it was never something that I ever knew existed as like a regular thing that right. people ate. I thought it was fucking right. wild.
1: Yeah. No, that was that. I had a very similar experience. Like the only time we ever went out, like the family treat was to go to McDonald's. Yeah. Once Ironton had
2: a McDonald's. dude. Yeah. 95, yeah. dude, I was playing soccer across uh, the school uh, the grounds. There's yeah. a f- soccer fields over there. Yeah. And I remember the line being like a, freaking mile long yeah. for people to just get mcdonald's like, yeah wow, dude, you could drive to farmington and get mcdonald's and come back and you'd still not have gotten any farther than right mine. absolutely yeah those people are getting ripped and you know they're getting like oh yeah seven bucks an hour back then probably oh if, if not well, less well below that yeah four four or five bucks an hour
1: i remember when i first started liters. working it was like 565 was minimum wage and that was in the mid or early 2000s and so, like when I
2: worked at Save a Lot, I think I made seven fifty an hour.
1: I remember it being I like five fifteen at
2: one point. I was like, stoked too. I was stoked I was making yeah. seven fifty an hour. Oh yeah! I thought that was like the, the oh man seven dollars and fifty cents an hour. is yeah. insane. Like I'm gonna make like fifty bucks today.
1: Yeah, and. So uh, kind of your musical ex- experiences, I'm sure as well kind of branched you out from a v you know and gave you opportunities to meet other friends, particularly in college, right
2: yeah, that's where I met people that got me gave me the idea that like being in a band that you write your own shit was cool, yeah, because there were people who were writing their own shit, and they were all around me, and like I used to kind of sneak off to shows when I was in high school, like yeah a couple times i would drive to farmington or i would drive maybe to st louis yeah. to see a show like i snuck snuck up to the creepy crawl a couple times yeah. you know to see bands like when i was like 16 i told my parents as i think but i snuck i it was 2000 and the Dillinger Escape Plan played at the old Creepy Crawl, and I saw that and it fucking blew my mind. That's wild. Because I, I had got like imagine that. I was experience. sixteen years old, dude. I drove. I drove a fucking Chevy Impala <laughs> from <wild>. fucking <laughs> Ironton to Farmington, and I fucking <laughs> followed somebody from Farmington to St. Louis. That is wild. I didn't know anybody. Yeah, Like I didn't know anybody And the re- the way I even found out about it was I got an old Equal Vision sampler That had okay. like Converge and stuff on it yeah. And then through Converge I heard about those kind of bands And yeah. when I got to college these guys told me about these bands I was like oh dude these guys know about these bands too I'd never listened to yeah. them but I'd heard about them Right? And they're like oh you should listen to them I was like yeah. oh shit but I'd heard the Dillinger Escape Plan And I was like oh, this is fucking yeah. crazy yeah. And then whenever I met uh, ben and rusty they're like oh yeah dillinger it's like that's that fucking band that i saw that i drove i drove up to that yeah hell yeah and like all the people that i hung out with were all of these shows yeah the but old, i never met them like i just never met them until like a moment in time
1: yeah that old creepy call was really a huge launching place for a lot of bands you know yeah i remember i i was a little bit i was a little older i guess than most kids whenever i finally had Well, I snuck up to the Creepy Crawl one time to see Fall of Troy. Yeah, nice. So I went up to go see Fall of Troy, Heavy Heavy Lolo, and I don't remember the other band now who was on the show, but we were just going up to see Fall of Troy specifically because I missed, I think you and Michael and somebody else had went to see, I think like it was a weird show. It was like Poison the Well with Minus the Bear or something. I feel like there was like two odd bands touring together at the time, to me anyways. Was it at
2: at the old Creepy Crawl?
1: I think so. But like I didn't even know of the creepy crawl until I heard everybody talking about going there. So It was
2: Minus the Bear and I think uh Pelican played too.
1: Might might have been. You know, my memory might be deceiving me at the moment. But yeah, like that's the first time I heard the name Creepy Crawl. So yeah. I was like, Oh, these other people are going at this place. I gotta map quest it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Figure out where it's at. Yeah. And so like wrote down the directions because we didn't have printers or printer paper <laughs> old school way because yeah when free, i met like, when know, i met
2: go. when I met ben and rusty like those dudes that i had been going up there for a while and like i kind of like had been there before but like didn't yeah. really know the lay of the land right and those dudes showed me all the all that stuff like playing shows and shit. Up there. And
1: about that time i was becoming good friends with like ridge and michael and i had already been friends but michael was kind of the yeah. connecting piece with that I became friends with like ridge and Garrett yatson and those guys and yeah so they were like frequently going to shows and knew about shows and so you know, like then we they were all we playing had... music together. So I was like, "Hey, I can play some instruments." You know, yeah. And I actually started playing all with them playing bass actually, and the but Michael was playing drums. <laughs> and it was just In a like, weird twist of fortune. Yeah, it was just like, "Hey, uh, you want to trade at some point?" And he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so
2: I'm actually way better at this.
1: <laughs> <than> I think <laughs> we were both like, "You're better at that." Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So that's funny, but yeah, then we like you know, then that was the hardcore band we had with Garrett and all that back in the day, yeah. And then our some of our bands started playing together occasionally, uh, as well, you know, back in the day, like Last Flight Home. Like I think Lay of the Land played the Last Flight Home reunion or something, yeah, yeah. We did it at Cicero's, yeah, at Cicero's. So that was pretty cool, like that again talking about my first meeting that of you and my, knowing you
2: though that was i think my 23rd or 24th birthday might have been i was 24 yeah i think i, was tw- I think i turned 24 that was 14 years ago <laughs> that's wild to think it's that <laughs> yeah, long that ago 14 years ago oh this, my well, God. This summer yeah yeah it was yes yeah, 2008 i think i because i moved to st louis in 2007
1: thinking about my first meeting you and then also having that yeah.
2: experience it's just like wild how
1: life has its circles in that right? way.
2: I'm constantly amazed by it, man. Yeah,
1: and I'm like, I'm always like paying attention to what you're doing musically and everything that you have going on. Well,
2: I appreciate it.
1: I, I was a big fan of Last Flight Home. Obviously, we use it in some of our promotional. Yeah, materials. did I hear that? Rad. Thank you, man. That's rad. <laughs> but you it's know, rad. like. Th- that has a connection, friendship-wise as well, because a lot of me and Josh being friends was going to last flight home shows yeah. and stuff. And we were too. kids, dude. we were friends, dude. we were yeah. friends making music, like and you know, so it was just like it brought it was it had a lot of sentimental value. The songs that those dudes were the first song.
2: people that really make me feel like I was a good musician, like yeah. and like kind of made me encourage me, and it yeah. made me want to write stuff, like because anybody can sit around in their bedroom and write sure. music and stuff. When people encourage you to yeah. be better because you're you've got a talent or whatever right. that they recognize or they they like or that they think that could be cool to work with right it's kind of cool to feel encouraged by that it was the first those dudes were the first i mean like i had friends in high school that we skateboarded and stuff and like we right. kind of jerked around a little bit made some music some some sure. lyrton boys and shit, you know they're you know and it was fun and stuff but we never really did anything there was right. no real direction with it but with those guys i felt like they made me think that it's it like hey you know these bands that we got you into right. that you think is cool yeah we could probably do that Right, If we just really fucking put our minds to it and write cool music and shit. And that's what we basically did was like, okay, cool. What would this band do? But not do that exact same thing. Yeah. Think think like them.
1: Yeah. An awakening for me too was about that time was actually watching like what kind of got popular in like 2005-ish I feel like was like a lot of these bands were releasing DVDs with their albums or they would have even put up like a YouTube video. Them starting touring and things like that. So like... I remember, like, watching videos of, like, Coheed. That was almost, like, documented, yeah. documentary-wise, you know. So that, like, it was like, oh, this is what they do to do that, to play a show. And, you know, like, I felt like we put a lot of attention into that, too. I well, as
2: silly as it sounds. but No, for sure. For sure. I mean, dude, the, this area was, was cool about that. It made people feel welcome. I felt welcome. I, I, yeah. like, I said, like, like I said, man, I never felt cool in high school. No, I, had, I, had a lot of, I had a lot of friends. I didn't feel unliked. Right, but I never felt cool. Right, right. Really, I never did. Yeah, and like whenever, like <laughs> as dumb as it fucking sounds, like it gave me a lot of like self esteem. It made me want to like do do things like right. People dug it like, and I wanted to do it. That's kind
1: of just a part of maturity though too, as you start to find your actual interests and yeah, you know, develop out your character, decide it, it, who you want to be because. You, you don't know who you want to be. No, for teenager. sure, dude. In
2: my formidable years, like, I never, for, yeah. I was a fucking nerd, still, I'm a nerd. Yeah, right. No way, I got no game. Like, <laughs> I always tell my girlfriend, like, dude, if, there's any, if I was single, there's no way I would ever be with anybody I have no, <laughs> no, like, personality. Like, I'm, dude, I'm a straightforward, regular, working class fellow. Yeah. You know, I'm that, you know, like, everything that I've got behind me, influence wise and experience wise and stuff shaping me is who I am as far as that stuff goes like dude that's I still don't think that it kind of makes me really I'm still just a really singular straightforward kind of dude right and like I would be undateable like (laughs) but by by all means dude so yeah I don't even know how
1: I've told Pam like if if we ever get divorced like I'm never getting married (laughs) again we get the biggest kick out of that i think that i think
2: what it is for me and my spouse my spouse i call her my spouse we've been together for for 12 years 12 and a half years you know going on 13 years uh next year and like we're we're gonna we're gonna curtain goldie it i think yeah at this point you know we're not married yet we're engaged but sure who knows who knows what could happen it's working out pretty well so far
1: yeah And, and people don't stay together long any any more period you know
2: well i mean it's i grew i mean the the statistics will show that most of the time it doesn't work out but i come from a family that it worked out i know a lot of people right right. who are currently working it out pretty well but then again like it's just one of those things where like it's ceremonial and right and i believe in this ceremony i think i'd be a great husband i think i would be a great dad but she doesn't you know i think you would it's just one of those things. I don't know. I'm getting really, really super personal right now. Yeah. I'm going to air it out, my, dump it out, dump it out my purse right now. I, I wasn't
1: d- intended to turn the Dr. Phil hour over
2: here. My, gro- my girlfriend more than likely won't listen to this whole thing. So she she will probably miss this portion. But I love her very much. We've been together for a long time. Yeah. We, we get, to get we get along. We're great. You know, she's great. You know,
1: me knowing you being in the Last Flight Home, after that ended, you ended up in McCree yeah so kind of paid like was keeping an eye on everything that you guys were doing too
2: yeah i yeah dude i was fucking delivering pizza for Domino's, and i was going to st louis to watch shows a lot and i was meeting guys up there that were yeah. kind of in the the gear scene i guess is right what it was i was going to guitar center a lot and I was, right I met, I met some of those guys and this guy john yeah. clark who was working at guitar center at the time played in a band called 12 summers old that last Fight home had played with a couple times mm-hmm. and he was sort of a contact for me and mike judy obviously like right, right. knew me from he'd booked last Fight home a couple of times i think back in the day and sort of knew me as somebody going up there and shit he he called me one day and was like hey this band's starting and we need another guitar yeah. player do you want to do it and i came up one yeah. practice and i was in started that and we did that for a long time did it till 2012. It was cool, so, man. So that that I, I was like a it.
1: change for you too, because I
2: had always known you as a bassist, yeah, largely, and then the shift to guitar. But I was writing a lot of guitar parts for Last Light Home too. Okay, me and, me, me and Ben, I would call Ben up or Rusty up at like two in the morning and be like, "Dude, I got this riff. I got, this, riff. <laughs> I got this idea." Seriously, Ben would Ben came over a couple of times. I think seriously it was like midnight or two o'clock in the morning, and Ben would Ben came over and I like taught him this riff that I just had stayed up. I was dude, that's I'd, cool didn't drink didn't smoke didn't yeah. you know no i know vices didn't even really yeah. drink much caffeine i was just like up watching adult swim yeah fucking five in the morning yeah. and then going college the next day working yeah. at dominoes and shit like yeah got really into lambgoat.com and there you go you know yeah and, and like and like uh the prp board and and what's the other one kerrang yeah kerrang yep like started getting kerrang Kerrang's updates pretty big and stuff. now. yeah it is yeah, yeah. they kind of do a wider range of stuff now than they used to right and then there was a local St. Louis message board called GTP Inc.
1: I've heard Joey talk about that a lot. Yeah,
2: yeah. It was, dude. It was wild because it really, honestly, had a lot of people who were getting down pretty hard in the scene. Yeah, were on there, and like it was a pretty relevant sort of area. Kind of so social a little networking bit. before social. It was, networking yeah. In it was, yeah. It was sort of like STL punk adjacent. Mm-hmm. MySpace pre MySpace right. Friendster adjacent. I would call yeah. it LiveJournal adjacent. AOL Instant Messenger Jason. <laughs> Call them back. <laughs> that fucking era, you know. <laughs> Calling it back big time. That's what it was, dude. That's what I mean, that's how people, I mean mp3.com, Jason. Yeah. For you know, sure. Like pre reverb when reverb.com came out, right. it was like, holy shit, you can yeah. put as many songs as you want. That's crazy. Yeah. Bandcamp now is like we're spoiled. Like yeah. it's so great. I hope that it does. I mean, it got bought out by whatever. What did it get bought out by? The it was a video game company or something. Yes. Um It's a CD Projekt Red.
1: I think it's the company that has like um shit. I don't know my video games. Very yeah, well, I didn't I did my research <laughs> on that.
2: But yeah, Bandcamp got bought out, but I don't think it's gonna change. I mean it's yeah. too the model is too popular. Yeah, and successful. It's way uh, too um, successful and they get so much traffic that it's gotta pay for itself. That's.
1: I didn't know I didn't realize how uh you know effective it is to be their spotlighted band of the day sort of thing. It is. And it is, yeah, because they do it by genre. Opportunity uh to, uh
2: I don't th- I, I want to say Fister has before.
1: I talked to. A we've guy, done some
2: Bandcamp exclusive stuff before. They, I don't know if we yeah. like premiered stuff, but I could be wrong um, on that. But I know that we've been like the Bandcamp like top ten something like that before. Yeah. I feel like
1: there's a well. I I I was talking to Nathan Landell, who you might know. He was in uh, back in the day Masada Complex, but he's in Harsh Realm now, and uh, in a band called Secret Shame. But he was Error Records. That we actually you went to some world shows with us actually oh rode yeah. Up with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 Nathan yeah. he had that legion hall up there that yes he
2: exactly work. yep yeah we drank that high life out of the empty uh, yes, the, yes. out of the empty yeah. gallon water yeah bottle.
1: I told Nathan about I had him on the podcast filled so the whole ago, thing up with about, high life like no one was going to notice
2: it looks like we're drinking piss man. yes it did and it was <laughs> like, like these guys are in here fucking going wild didn't you
1: find like a playboy in the parking <laughs> lot like a really old
2: ass playboy in the middle of the road <laughs> it was either a playboy or like a high society magazine or something yeah. something skankier than playboy yeah. i don't think it was that classic or a
1: hustler pot perhaps
2: it was the it was highland illinois man yeah. it was fucking definitely not playboy uh, it was but, fucking uh, screw magazine or something yeah something dude. raunchy
1: that was that was a good time <laughs> but yeah i think you rode up there at least once or twice with us to shows
2: yeah i rode with you guys to that show and i think i rode with you guys to a show in farmington one time it could, too. could have been when jake was playing with you guys too yeah one time it was not one time was not he wasn't playing the one in highland Right. That was pre-Jake. And then I yeah. went. I, not, I didn't ride with you guys, but I went to one when you guys were playing with Jake. Um, was you that did, Bobarino's?
1: Yeah, you did guest vocals. I think I did. Yeah. No, it was, that was it outside. was on your
2: birthday, right? That was three shows I played that day. It was yeah. like a McCree show with uh, with Pat. It was okay. fucking a past life Tiger show with me and Tony yeah, Saputo now I remember and Calvin. Yep. And then I did vocals for World. So, Hell yeah. yeah.
1: You had a marathon that
2: day. Dude, <laughs> dude yeah. Fucking, I, he, Michael broke his bass. Uh, like at the show was, before and yeah, he needed to borrow before. base bass for right, the show that's right like, that's right i can't remember who reluctantly <laughs> loaned him a bass yeah.
1: i thought you did for some no, reason. no i didn't have one
2: at the time oh i don't think i i don't think i brought my bass with me uh, he
1: may have bought matt shrum's
2: bass maybe yeah i think could have been his,
1: that i think that's his base he he, but i know it head. was an
2: issue the day of the show yeah but yeah that was the first like three show thing that's at, right three day, yeah that was fucking exhausting it was crazy, and then we went to your house that night. Yeah, and then party all long, night. That was a long <laughs> fucking day, dude. And then I, then we drove back to St. Louis after that. Oh, God, that's dude. insane, man. Dude, the dude, the virility of our youth. Was, how yeah. long has it gone? There's no way. There's no fucking way I would consider yeah. even trying doing that. Now. Yeah, Ridge there's and no Brandon way. and
1: I do like dad calls sometimes late at night, and we were talking about like how old man we've become in many oh, respects. Dude,
2: like, dude, and you guys are younger than me. It's fucking yeah. crazy. Like, I, that's the thing, man. Like, it took. It didn't even take like getting a job like i have now to do that to me like it like i was like this a long time ago yeah i hear you i could dude i can't do it anymore yeah i don't drink caffeine anymore yeah oh really no i don't consume caffeine anymore wow yeah i haven't for a couple years now three years i guess i think well
1: obviously it has it but the only thing i drink i take caffeine is coffee yeah so coffee's a
2: thing man coffee is coffee is is a ritual it's a ritual though i could i love the taste of it yeah. Love coffee. I always loved coffee when I when I drank it before, but um, I stopped drinking caffeine just because like I wasn't getting good sleep.
1: You know, honestly, I probably should consider that.
2: Well, it's crazy, I Mean yeah. Smoking big weed and stuff. Yeah. you know, for the most time, like, and and like getting involved with the bar scene and the service industry life, and you're jacked up all the time. Yeah, with, yeah adrenaline and you hate yeah. and you fucking hate. you go through these like peaks and valleys oh, of yeah. emotions and you're, just, like, you're on, you're tense and you're on edge all the time like caffeine sure. is like one of those companions that like sort of like drives it right keeps keeps the motor running yeah keeps the bearings greased if, yeah. as it were and it got to the point where it wasn't even keeping me awake and then when I'd be on tour right. I mean if we're driving I'd be down in like fucking three Red Bulls yeah, man in the course of a day yeah. then drink a bunch Tolerance of beer and fucking up. you know whiskey or tequila you know yeah. Wow. And like, you know, like so it was getting to the point where it just wasn't doing anything to me at yeah. all. Like I would drink I would drink a Red Bull and it would do nothing. I'd yeah. be, be driving at night, drink a Red Bull and be like, can't do it. got go yeah. to sleep. Yeah. Doesn't do shit to me. Yeah. Wow. And uh the well the the reason I stopped drinking caffeine, and this is a life lesson to anybody to listen to your body. I think yeah. that I think that sure some of the best medical advice that anybody could get for free. And I'm all about cheap, dude. Yeah, Cle- oh yeah, clearly. I hear you. <laughs> I'm all about cheap. <laughs> Nothing wrong. With I spend I spend good money on guitar amplifiers, gifts for my woman. Yeah, and you know, weed sometimes. Yeah, you know, everything else I could jam on a budget. Like, right, big time. Yeah, I could I, live in a fucking cardboard box as long as I could take a shower every day. Right, you know what I'm saying. I like, hear you. But uh anyways, like so, caffeine was just like, dude. So I woke up one morning hungover as fuck. At, where I was working at the Boy Oyster Bar, and it was like an yeah. early morning shift. I was hungover as fuck and I was like man I need to get some caffeine in me right because I thought that was the remedy I just for years just thought that was like that's gonna bring me out of this man yeah yeah, it's gonna bring me out of this it was a late Monday night yeah Sular Blues band was jamming and I fucking probably stayed and played I used to play bass with them all the time like go up there and jam with them and shit and I would stay till fucking one o'clock two o'clock in the morning helping them load out because they're all fucking in their 60s and 70s and I think it's the right thing to do hell yeah pay it forward like exactly right you know, I'm still I'm still able bodied enough to absolutely to haul gear around. So why not right. help some dudes who absolutely. paid their fucking dues like be a guy, like you know? That's sweet. Woke up, super hungover, got a bang energy drink from the gas station yeah. on the way to work. And it tasted like nuclear cotton candy. <laughs> it was like the most disturbing <laughs> jolt. It was the most it has nothing in it. Yeah. Like nothing in it. Like no calories, no sugar, no none of that shit. Yeah. But there's something dangerous in there, dude. Yeah. There's just too much something caffeine in right. it. There's too yeah. much caffeine in it, dude. I think and yeah. I just I think I just OD'd. Yeah. Little, I literally literally oh, I literally think I OD'd on caffeine. Oh wow, dude. I I mean I've never OD'd on a drug just before. Just like bad like heart palpitations I've, or what was going on with it? Dude, I drank it and like felt like immediate dog shit. Yeah. Like my stomach felt like there was a rock in it. Yeah. Work the whole day, no problem. I mean, like, powered through it, worked. It wasn't, sure. like, it wasn't like, life debilitating. Yeah. I'm not trying to, like, you know, puss out from, you know, <laughs> having a hangover and drinking it, making my belly feel like, upset. Me, oh, my tummy hurts. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't work. <laughs> but anyways, uh, no, like, I just, I felt gross. I just felt terrible. And, like, then uh, later on that day, I drank a fucking blueberry Red Bull. And i just was like dude why am i even doing this and i drank it and it oh, tasted wow. really good and i was like okay cool that's fine my shits and then the next morning i woke up feeling like a complete train wreck again oh my god i was god. off work the next day and i think i had band practice that night and and no i drank the blueberry red bull before band practice that night yeah that's what it was because like i band practice at like nine o'clock at night with daybreaker it was like super yeah. we always had to practice like super late again just the next day felt like garbage dude for like three days just felt like shit and yeah I stopped drinking caffeine and I stopped drinking soda, basically like stopped drinking soda. Yeah, and caffeine. Yeah, and coffee. Yeah, no problems. Yeah. Totally fine. Like, wild hangover or not, dude. I don't really wild. get hungover anymore. That's wild. I have to get fucking wild to be hungover. Yeah. I so think what that's are you what just?
1: Was. Are you just drinking more water because you're not consuming? Yeah, pretty
2: much. Like more water. Like yeah. I mean, when I the the job that I have now, like I it's basically like physical labor, like for the most part. Yeah. On one end of it. And the other end of it is I'm walking a lot. Yeah. I'm either walking 25,000 steps a day or I'm lifting heavy shit. One or the other. Yeah. So, like, I'm always hydrating. And yeah. I eat. My eating cycle's pretty regular. Yeah. Well, that's And key. the thing I changed, dude, is no caffeine. Yeah. Wild. I eat candy. I, I drink fucking <laughs> sometimes 10 beers a day, you know? Yeah. Sometimes no beers a day. Wild, dude. You know, but nothing it's just i totally fine and then my sleep schedule is completely like down to nothing yeah and i get great sleep and i don't dream It's awesome
1: that's wild too
2: yeah i don't dream anymore that is crazy yeah that's weed that's for the, that's the weed yeah yeah
1: yeah like i'm not remembering my dreams i'm starting to get to that point at all which i I think is good yeah. i
2: took six weeks off from smoking weed to to become a journeyman at my yeah at my trade yeah you have to piss clean yeah and i was like i'm gonna just go old school i'm not gonna buy like a solution yeah. or whatever i'm gonna stop smoking and see what it does to me yeah because i was like really kind of worried about it because like dude it really is medicinal for me yeah absolutely. i'm not like a really rampant like stoner in the right. real sense of it i mean like i sure i mean down to get goofy don't get me wrong but sure like in the like real sense is like for me it's like we're medicinal I'm yeah a ritualistic kind of guy too yeah 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 sure you know used to be you know never never before anything important then for a long time it was always before something important right and then i backed off for a while right and then i took this break for six weeks dude and i I passed my piss test got my upgrade and shit And now i'm a fucking full-on journeyman decorator and shit now and like now whenever i smoke it like hits like it did back when i first started yeah i feel like i reset it resetted my brain yeah which is crazy because i was like daily and just now it's like it's perfect because I'm saving yeah. money on
1: it. Yeah, like I, I've taken a few days off here and there, but yeah, for the last two years, pretty solid. You know, as soon as I was able to get a license, I got It's because one.
2: it's medicine. People did it for years.
1: The quality of my life has changed drastically. Thank you, sir. I came prepared. And, uh, thank you. For, yeah. But uh, my 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 quality of life has just improved greatly. Like I don't get. I'm not nearly as irritable. You know? I advocated
2: to use highly, man. Yeah, like I think that people should not get like insanely, like, like, rampantly, like, abusive with it. Oh yeah, no. I think in moderation, everything A- in moderation.
1: Absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. But it
2: said no effect song, everything in moderation except moderation.
1: Absolutely, yeah. But,
2: but yeah, like that's something like I think that opened up. The world, because Missouri, I mean, it's a fucking blue. a blue state only in a couple areas. It's a red state for real. Swing yeah. state, swing state is what they used to. Go.
1: Used to be, but uh, then we started gerrymandering and redrawing district mass. It started so. gerrymandering. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Continued, along Continued a long tradition. <laughs> right. I think it's
1: really what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Wait a minute. What's yeah. going on up what's there?
2: What's going on here? <laughs> no, but uh no, like I. So, whenever medical marijuana got voted in, like it was fucking. 66 to 33 like yeah okay wait a minute the state just flipped back to red and then 66 33 right right some of those fucking rednecks know what's up oh absolutely and and are seeing the writing on the wall
1: especially if they live in a climate like we were talking about before we started recording you know like good enough to grow oh yeah there's a lot of that in southeast missouri
2: there's feed stores everywhere there's gardening stores everywhere greenhouses When when the pandemic hit that was one of the only industries that didn't get hit because everyone was gardening Right There was demand for it Right It's a safe environment You don't need a lot of people to work in it Like you don't need a lot of close contact Even
1: more people yeah. were gardening Because they were You know Work layoffs Or whatever the case was Or
2: work for home So where, where do we get off track Yeah <laughs> We've been off track We always like, get off track That's my bad
1: So It's all good No I do it too <laughs> man
2: This is Barrett From the
1: ATI podcast Each week Josh and I discuss current events Pop culture Music TV Movies Politics Sports Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick and mortar mom and pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Amazon music, anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI podcast we would like to thank you for your continued support and as always please stay safe out there <laughs> so i was just gonna uh, you know we talk, were we're talking about your transition from bass to guitar at least what i perceived as okay that. yeah so, the, so <laughs> oh my god you had mccree how do we get off how do we go track <laughs> that fucking far so yeah
2: mike judy called we started mccree we were in that band for a while and then before that like around like 2009 i i moved in with uh I, saw, well, I was working at the new Creepy Crawl. Yeah. I got a job at the new Creepy Crawl. Yeah. Worked there for a while. Met all the guys that I know, like Bob Fancher, the guy who uh, is the owner of Red Flag, and, mm-hmm. and Kenny, and you know Scott Vogelbach, and Rick cheered and yeah. on those yeah. guys. Ben worked there with me. Me and Ben have been pretty much up there together the whole time. Yeah. Like, kind of side by side, kind of just working different places and still hanging yeah. out and shit. But, That's uh, cool. Yeah, like, I met all those guys, and then me and Kenny moved in. I moved in with Kenny... In 2009, and then we started Fister that, like, that month. Yeah. yeah.
1: Was your guys' first work uh, the Fister Sister? Yeah. Yeah.
2: That was, so. no, it was Fisted Sister. A fisted Sister, I'm sorry. So we were just kind of, like, hanging out, like, we weren't even really trying to do anything serious. Kenny was, like, he had just turned, just turned, like, let's see, that's was 13 years ago, so he was, he just turned 30. Yeah, he had just turned 30, and he was like, I don't know if I want to do any band, do bands again. He had a kid had a job and stuff and then we were living together and we just started like because he showed me he showed me a lot of different bands that i'd never heard before sure whenever i was coming up with rusty and ben and calvin and those guys they showed me this insane just plethora of bands from everything from top to bottom like there was no single genre so there's no real way to like kind of like really identify with anything right Nothing to really kind of nail myself down. So like I right. was I came up with a lot of crazy influences. And meeting Kenny up there years I met Kenny years ago, actually. I met Kenny like twenty years ago when mm-hmm. I first met the Farmington guys. We were in, we were going to this place called SG SGM Records in South County. Yeah. It was a St. Louis local there. label, yeah. Kenny worked there, yeah. There, I mean, Calico System put stuff out on there. Okay. There was this like uh, Creed wannabe St. Louis band called Unchained.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> they were
2: on that label or whatever. Yeah. Oh my god. That's how I met Kenny. Kenny was working there. Nice. Yeah, the guy who is the guy who is the owner was like trying to like. Gave us like a tour to pitch us to record there or something. Yeah, He was doing that to a ton of bands. He was like, come by the studio, come by the studio. Yeah. We went up there.
1: So that's kind of your first meeting, Kenny. and Yeah, that's when like- I first
2: met Kenny. And then I knew Kenny from the GTP Inc. message board. Oh, okay, okay. Again, like kind of St. Louis adjacent. Like right. Rusty and Ben knew him because he was in a band called The Fifth Element. And Rusty and Ben's old band, Pennies for Allah, played with them back okay. in the day. So okay. Kenny and them were all kind of sort of acquaintances. I guess Kenny so. knew Calvin because Not Waving With Johnny played in St. Louis Right, the time. right. They were a St. Louis band. right, right. So that's, I mean, that was kind of my end with Kenny. And then when I moved to St. Louis, Kenny was my manager. So he got me a job at Office Max in St. Louis. (laughs) Kenny was my manager in the print department at Office Max in St. Louis. Yeah, Brentwood, Brentwood Promenade. It's not an Office Max anymore. I think it's a pet store now or some kind of store. That's hilarious, dude. Yeah, that was my first. Well, I worked at the new creepy crawl. I worked there and I was a telemarketer. telemarketer for who some fucking insurance company out in like st charles it was fucking terrible it was life-sucking work yeah it was god-awful
1: i know man i briefly worked for accent down here and that was that was that experience
2: dude so that's uh, that's right around the time that like i was like so when i first moved to st louis i didn't really kind of know what i wanted to do because i was with in the band with those guys and i was on the under the impression that they were ready to go. We're gonna start going on tour and shit. Yeah, and we kind of did some stuff here and there, but we weren't like on the tour all the time. So I was like, okay, well, I gotta get a job. I thought yeah. I was like going straight into a band that I was gonna like be on the road with all the time. Yeah, not that I was naive enough to think that I need didn't need to get a job. Like, sure, I, I was like, okay, well, the way that they're making it sound, not that they deceived me into being I in hear a band. You're saying, you know what just, I'm saying? Like, I was like, these guys are fucking in it to win it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Let's go out there and do it. And I got up there and was like, okay, well, we're not going to do that yet. We're going to write some stuff. We're going to pitch some shit to some labels and then hopefully go on tour. Right, right. So, yeah, through GTP, Inc. that message board, Kenny got me a job at fucking Office Max, and he was my manager.
1: Oh, that is wild, Yeah.
2: Dude. And then he showed me all kinds of wild shit. Like, knew I was yeah. kind of into the goat shit, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Kind of pseudo into the hardcore scene. I had a lot of yeah. friends in the hardcore scene in yeah. St. Louis whenever I was still living at Farmington. Yeah, yeah. Or not Farmington, Ironton, when I was still, I guess, part of the Farmington scene. Yeah, right, A lot of my right, friends right. from St. Louis were, like, hardcore dudes. Right. Uh, and, like, Love Lost But Not Forgotten and then Not Wave From A Drowning were like bands that I would go yeah. up there and see all the time. Right. And so I knew of Kenny because he was in that band at Fifth Element for a little bit. And then yeah. after that, after they broke up and it was a couple of years later, he started... Got together with these guys and they started this band called This Incredible Machine.
1: Yeah, This Incredible Machine is
2: awesome. And it was like, yeah, like it was ripping ass, converge, curl up and die, yeah. drop dead Hell style, yeah. like D beat, almost sort of yeah. hardcore that really wasn't going on in St. Louis. Yeah, uh, I can't recall where Kenny will disavow that like so hard. Like he, not that he has, not that he like feels any disdain for the band, but right. he, that's not him. You know, that's yeah, That's totally not his, who he is now as a guy. Like yeah. But I mean, who what we did in the past is never who we are now. So yeah, I, I feel like absolutely. that. Like I mean, it, it, but yeah. that was really fucking cool. Like people opened oh, Like they got signed to this weird label, which is funny because the label that they got signed to were these two dudes living in Arizona, Garth and Nico. And eventually in the future, both of them individually released Fister albums. That's wild. Reconnected with Kenny over years, like over the years it was like, Hey, I have this label now. That's dope. So how did you guys
1: get Kirk in the band?
2: Kirk was working at Bar. Creepy Crawl ended. All the guys that worked at Creepy Crawl ended up working at Bar at one point or another. Yeah. It became the second Creepy Crawl. Kenny and I were were I was bartending there here and yeah. there. Kenny was bartending, managing, doing sound. Right. Kirk was managing. Bob knew Kirk from back in the day. Bob Fancher, the guy that owns Red Flag yeah. and Foobar and shit. So that's so Kirk was just a guy that was up there. Kind of like the same kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Same kind of bands. Yeah. Right. He was playing music with Bob. I ended up playing music with Bob and them for a little bit too. But uh, me and Kenny just started like jamming on this stuff, recording it at the house. My sort of humble beginnings for Pfister is uh, what I like to call bong rips in the bedroom. (laughs) Because that's basically what it was. Like, yeah. Well, we were leaving. We were, dude, we were living together, just chilling, like hanging out. Like, he showed me all these bands that I'd never, like, I had heard of Caius and I had heard of like yeah. Crowbar and I'd heard I Hate God and like yeah. you know, these bands that he kind of sorts away. Then he was like, Hey man, there's also these bands called like Asunder, Corrupted, Burning Witch, Sun, yeah. you know, uh Yab. Yeah. Like all these, these immense sort of like just off the chart heavy transcendental stuff that right, i right, just right. never really had ever heard before and and kenny was like hey check this shit out man it's yeah. fucking you would be into this i think because i Mare the band Mare. right right i had right. heard Hydrahead band. like hell yeah like, okay so i'm into the slow stuff kind of you know going into it like yeah, i can dig this and i liked isis and i like right. neurosis kind of but i never right. heard these bands going off the right, chart like right Dad. right and it just was like fucking out yeah, of this like- world And then we just were just bullshitting one night and was like, hey, let's try to record some stuff in the computer with, you know, tune way down and like try to write a fucking electric wizard song or whatever. Yeah. A
1: a lot of the bands you just like riffed on just now on hydra head in particular yeah we're like a lot of inspirations for like whenever me and ridge decided like hey let's just start something we'll find other people to play with us and then yeah. joey started playing with us and joey exposed us to a lot of those bands like i remember joey showed his son yeah and like boris like yeah and venom and like we were just like fuck this is awesome like it just opened up our entire world you Dude, know, yeah I mean, musically.
2: Like, that whole that whole sort of like spectrum of music opened my eyes to just embodying like tone worship. Yeah. Like absolutely. if it's, if it sounds good, you can vibe with right. it. And like, I don't know. That sounds like some hippie shit, but
1: no, no, I agree. So like a band that I was always dismissive of when I was younger, now this is gonna throw it back, but like T-Rex. Because I just always saw them as glam rock, you know, like yeah, oh kind no, of, but then but then like you go back and listen to them now, like they were a fucking wall of sound and heavy as fuck. Heavy, heavy, yeah, heavy and very like very overlooked as a heavy band. For yeah. Sure.
2: And then really like a lot of, so a lot of that stuff was what got us together like hey we want to write super slow punishing heavy shit that is a little little stony yeah you know we were you know getting ripped all the time yeah sure like you know sort of emulating that and then sort of achieving these tones that it was like this sounds pretty fucking cool actually this would sound cool as a band and like something just came something came about that uh i think yakuza yakuza was coming through town and kenny I can't remember if Yakuza asked us if we wanted to play and then we sort of got together or if we got actually together. So our first show was with Yakuza and Kirk didn't even play it, actually. It was me, Kenny, Ben played other guitar Mm -hmm. and Keenis, the guy that plays drums. I thought Ben
1: was in in it initially. Originally, he was
2: supposed to be in it. Yeah, Yeah, it was me, Ben and Kenny. And it was supposed to be it's supposed to be all basses. Oh really? It's I supposed to be all three. That. Yeah, three basses and a drummer. Like two basses doing guitar parts and one. Bass. It was supposed to be like total like. That's wild, dude. Total caveman. Like that would have been just dope. absolute fucking <laughs> like yeah, just nonsense. Like, uh, like <laughs> what kind of band is that? I mean, it's a cool idea for a band, yeah. but like how you know how practical? Totally. Yeah. Why would we want to spend time fucking right. making that happen? Sure. I mean, I, I get it, but so anyways, it just be like, oh, yeah, I'll play guitar now. We'll yeah. start writing actual sort of songs. We were, Kenny was programming the drums, and and I was coming up with the riffs. And, yeah. And uh, essentially, f- from, from the time that we started doing vocals to it and writing lyrics mm-hmm. and making them sound like actual songs, like we were doing, like, every week we would do, like, a song. We would just yeah. pick a day, and, like, we'd do a whole song that day. Yeah. And it, like, started sounding pretty fucking cool. We'd listen back to it, and it was yeah. like, yeah, it's pretty fucking heavy, man. Yeah. Like, even with the fake drums, like, sounds pretty good. But this is, like, back in the day when GarageBand was just kind of sort of becoming the, the quick tool for recording music. Absolutely. And had the drums on it that sounded halfway decent. And, you know, right. it took whatever signal you put into it. So we had a Turbo Rat that we were plugging straight into a mixer and then straight into GarageBand with, like, I think just direct signal and it was blown out sounded gnarly and huge and yeah yeah. it sounded cool through the computer speakers we didn't have like good monitors or nothing like it was fucking terrible that's hilarious a a terrible (laughs) environment a terrible environment for like getting to and playing bass through it and just blowing Uh, out these computer speakers dude like it sounded so awesome like so slow and make it slower yeah slower yeah and then we just sort of just started doing it it's weird it just sort of manifested it's weird it was like it was like a fucking, some kind of reptile climbing out of the yeah. primordial, oo, primordial yeah. ooze. Like. Right,
1: for sure. I remember when I f- first heard Bronze Sonic 2. Yeah, that was like, oh, dude, I was like, was, shit, dude, was like, holy shit. Dude, that was like,
2: and that's like the stuff that like we didn't even really, to pains me to say this, we were taking it seriously, like, because we were practicing kind of a lot, like, pretty yeah, regularly. right. But, like, we didn't really, like, try to make it that nuts. Like, right, right. We just did what we were trying to do, and it just turned right, out right, like right. that, which was right. pretty cool. And then right. it ended up being like, okay, we're comfortable with this. Yeah. We did that whole album in one day.
1: No way. Yeah. That's Wild, Sonic, the dude. whole Every
2: song on Bron Sonic, we were there in one day. Wow. We got there early as fuck. Dude, we were fucked up <laughs> by the end of that day. <laughs> I bet, dude. Brother, I'm telling you, we were fucking uh, lit God, by the end of that day. Just layering guitar tracks on guitar tracks. Yeah. Like, dude, I think I had like four guitar tracks on every song. That's crazy. Fucking, dude. like, Ben was there. Rick from Lion's Daughter was there. Yeah. Fucking John Clark, the guy that plays guitar. Yeah. And he was McCree. He showed up, did a solo on the song, Brown Sonic. The solo was him, yeah. actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he came in and just, dude, it was like a fucking... Just 12 hours of us just getting fucking smoking weed, drinking beer, doing yeah. shots of whiskey.
1: <laughs> it was a fucking long
2: day, dude. It was such a long day. But we did it in one day. Thad from Kenny's other band. Well, This Incredible Machine turned into Ashes and Iron. Right, right. And Thad was and the I drummer live. for all that. And he was yeah. the engineer for that. We did that at Firebrand. I
1: love Ashes and Iron, too. They're still doing it, too. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. They still, they'll still break one out on you. Fucking yeah. Awesome. Heavy
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. They're great dudes. I was in Ashes and Iron for a little bit. Yeah. Never played a show with him but I practiced <laughs> with him. That's when I was working with Kenny at Office Max. Yeah. He was like, "Hey, you should play second guitar in and Denier." Yeah. And that's another early reason how we bonded. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah, dude. And then after that, we had that out and it was getting reviewed by people like yeah, online Right. Reviews just started coming in and right. People dug it. All all of your albums are fucking dope. <laughs> yeah. Well, we tried so you dude, can
1: see the progression in the music. Yeah, you know, like too, we, well, sure. we started
2: taking it more seriously. Like yeah. I mean, we were practicing work, like we like, hey, people were digging this. I'm digging this more. It's kind of took that evil turn. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever it went from the stoner sleep worshiped into yes, the evil yes, kind yes, of yes. turn yes. is when we really sort of like, hey, we could do this. Like yeah. and then uh we wrote me and Kenny and Kirk got together and wrote infertile paramount songs those two songs and then from there on out that's i call that the crossover record that's the first serious sister record brown sonic i think is a serious record it's not like it's not like goofy like there's still some heavy shit on there yeah for sure we still will sometimes play some of those riffs and we'll slow them down or we'll kind of modernize them to the point where like we're kind of like what it would sound like if we played them now with our you know years you know 13 years as a band and like behind us or whatever
1: that's always fun to do, though, to revisit all material. We've like talked
2: that. about it, you know, doing stuff here and there, redoing it. And we did a Bronze Sonic show, like, I don't know, like maybe four years ago, five years yeah. ago. A, just we did the whole record front to back, yeah. played everything on the record, even the weird shit, like the long ass, the long song at the end. Didn't and,
1: that come out in 2012? or am I remember Before 2011? that, Bronze
2: Sonic was 2010, I think oh, it came out. or Yeah, 2010 it came out. And uh, But we had only been playing live, like, around regularly. Actually, the the ten year anniversary of the Infernal Paramount was the other, like yesterday or two days ago. I think that came out. That came out ten years ago. Wow,
1: it's wild to think that you've been doing that long. But I I actually caught one of your shows in Denver when you played because I was happen to be on vacation. Out yeah, in Denver yeah, at the time. Yeah. And we saw you guys play like at a bookstore. Downtown, yeah, the Beauty Cafe,
2: Beauty Information Cafe. That was with Chemists, right? Yeah, Chemists, yeah. and in the company of Serpents. Yep, chemist, yep, it costs.
1: And it seems like they started to get a lot of critical acclaim. Both those bands really like blew up at that point too. Yeah, Chemist was, is awesome. It's man. a wild. It cost chemist is, is one of my one of my
2: favorites. Dude, they're like a modern. Yeah. real metal band absolutely and they're like regular very cool very refreshing they so. are, they're pros too man they never oh, hit yeah. a sour note they're fucking I'll like, tell
1: you who else like I really love right now is Thou like that was great man them. they're homies too like they're fucking cool as shit we've done they're those guys for years
2: Brian used to book us back in the day hell yeah Brian from Thou booked us for a little bit and then Ethan from Primitive Man books us now
1: I believe he was at that show in Denver yeah or, Ethan booked it yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's what I thought yep yeah. yeah, so that was a fucking dope-ass show, too. I,
2: him and John from Primitive Man were there.
1: So, like, I know that you guys, I, I like asking people this question because I get a different answer every time, like, during COVID-19 pandemic. You guys did unique stuff there, too, though. Yeah. You know, you did the video death, and tell me about that. How did that come together?
2: So, whenever COVID hit hard, we didn't even see each other till me and Kirk didn't get together until, I think, July, yeah. And then the three of us... And me and Kenny did separately. And me and Kirk did separately. But then the three of us didn't even get together till like, September of 2020. And then we made uh, the arrangements to do the video death thing. Yeah. And then picked our set list. And then pretty religiously, like, got together, like, twice a week, masked up. Yeah. Like, full COVID protocol. Yeah. Like, yeah. tested every time. You know, we tested yeah. before the event. and We just... We conceptualized it because, like more so of the thing we didn't want it to be dated we wanted to make it like look like something that Modern. could have, yeah we yeah. Won't, we wanted to make it look like something that could be watched post-covid we didn't want to make it look dated from COVID time oh i got you i got that you. was kind of like our, our thing yeah with, that we wanted to take we took the protocol pro, you know yeah we, we were safe about being together and shit like that sure. we all took it extremely seriously we're all you know fast and boosted yeah and shit and yeah taking it seriously and all that that was the whole deal behind it like we wanted to actually make a, a live concert we wanted to fill the live concert yeah. We wanted to do a live record where we right. had control over how the live sounded, you know. It wanted to be us playing those songs, the best versions of them live that we could perform, right. you know. Right. So, and we wanted to have it on a setting that would look cool as fuck. And it's us right. playing the songs, but it's, you know, a chopped up sort of studio right. feel, right. you know. Right. Right. But, uh, we, yeah, we wanted to do that because, like, we, you know, we were touring pretty heavily before, before right. COVID. Right, absolutely. We were touring pretty heavily. We just did, like, yeah. a month like, I guess
1: we're doing international as well. Yeah. Well, tw-
2: yeah. 2019, fuck, we did, like, two weeks in August. And then we did a month, the whole month of November, basically, of 2019. When Jason played Jones for right, us. Right, right. Jason yeah. That was like three months before, or three months before COVID was like a thing. Yeah, I mean, it started happening. Yeah, we were hearing about it, and then like we got back and we're like, okay, cool. Well, we're gonna take twenty twenty off. Like that was yeah. our, that was the whole fister sentiment. We're gonna take twenty twenty off, write new stuff because we hadn't written anything in a couple of years. Like right. we written the the No Spirit Within record, and then we right. had the the ten year anniversary Decade of Depression right. cover record. Yep, and we hadn't written any new material since twenty seventeen, and it, yeah. it was like, all right, we got this whole year. We're not gonna go on tour. Something big comes up, we'll do it. Gonna play maybe one local show. Yeah. Be real discreet about it, you know. We I think we had one show booked. It was with the lion. It was the uh, lion's daughter, us, hell night. I love all of lion's them. daughter, now. hell night, us, and who was the other? And we postponed it. It was like our postponed. It was like April or something. I think is what it was gonna be like. Cool. We're not gonna do anything. We're gonna you know, lay up, write shit. You know, yeah. take the time to write stuff. I've got a computer. Learned how to kind of do some home demo stuff. Right. Got right. real, got my feet wet a little bit with that and then yeah. we all kind of sort of messed with that a little bit but it was like, okay, well, we could play a show, you know, film like it would be a live show with no audience right. and we could, we should do that. We should build up to that. So right. that's, what, that's what we did. We focused our energy on that and it turned out really well. Right. Like, it was awesome. It was successful. The audio sounds great. Yeah. Fucking huge shout out to Kevin K. Water and fucking Chris Keith and Jerry Dillman, fucking Robert, the guy that, was the producer Robert? Yeah. And then fucking, I mean, all the people, Kenny's brother Joe fucking filmed it. Like, everyone who's involved with making it, like, was just so like cool with what we wanted so to do i felt
1: like like some of the promotion and marketing marketing materials had a lot of allusions to like video drum and stuff like that it was uh like, well there was a, that
2: well it wasn't video drone it was there was actually a movie called video dead okay the artwork is completely ripped off of i got the you. movie video dead if you look it up actually it's a i'll pull it up i'll show it to you it's an old 80s movie i mean that like 80s horror is like a big part of like i mean all horror movies are what we're all sure. about like yeah but uh and i like that for sure yeah the video dead was like that's what was like the uh the inspiration for the oh yeah definitely same font sort of same feel you know yeah no i Uh, haven't seen that one i don't think yeah, we, and we did the, you know, busting out of the TV right, looking right, like right. gnarly zombies, right. which was awesome because the, like in that artwork I looked like super buff, which I'm thinking yeah. pretty fucking cool. <laughs> uh, uh, very
1: Greek goddess. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> no, but it was fun, man. It was like we, got, we never really did like a live record before. Like we have a we have live recordings of stuff, but not actual yeah. like live stuff. Like the live thing that I'm doing for the show is a live recording of cover of Working Man by Rush. Hell yeah. And Ben sang for us. Yeah. Ben came up and did vocals. Oh yeah. Not the whole song, like up to a little like up to guitar solo part, and then we finish out the rest of the song with one of the cuts from uh, we have a record called Violence and it's just like a twenty five minute long song that the lat we we have five sections, it's five variants, but it's actually just one supposed to be one long song, five movements, whatever. But we did Violence five. And that was, it was as working man by rush slowed down. So a long time ago on the internet, the fucking, there was like a 33% or 33 RPM cut of working man by rush. It sounds awesome. Yeah. And it was in our tuning. Yeah. It's perfectly in our tuning. So I was like, fuck yeah. So Kenny was like, we should learn that as that. So we learned that and we played it and Ben did vocals for it. That's dope. Yeah. And then into, and then into, uh, it was, I think it was the. I can't remember what show it was in January of 2012. It was like when Violence came out. Yeah.
1: I've done that before, where I forgot to like change the RPMs on my record player, and I'll put it on there, and I'll. I think I did. I've done it with Converge, and I've done it. Oh, with dude, Touché Converge Emorrate. is great with it. Yeah. Well, the 33 RPM rip of uh, Jane Doe, I guess, was the. Oh yeah. Was real popular there for a while. People are starting to like. I find it interesting too. People are starting to get back into tapes, but the technology is advanced as well too. And there's like companies with intent. Yeah. Like, uh, my buddy Zach was telling me there's some place in Missouri that's like one of the biggest producers for tape creation like right now, and it's highly profitable for. It them. is.
2: Cassettes are rad, dude. You know, I've gotten a few cassettes of bands recently too, and I highly advocate cassette use for bands. For if I would give any advice to any young band, it's definitely the put hot your thing shit right out on right tape. Yeah. Put it out on tape. Get a band camp. Put right. your shit out on tape. Like, if you really want to release something, nobody listens to CDs. CDs are really hard to, unless you have a personal computer or, like, a What's computer a tower. Presence? Or you listen to music in your car and your car is a CD player. If you have a modern car, most of the time they don't. No. Yeah, you're right. You have a CD player in your car if you have a car that's, like, maybe twenty, fifteen or younger, I would say. But people still buy CDs. It's a physical media. But if you're a young band, get do tapes. Two tapes. Right. If you're a solo artist, do tapes. They're cheap. Absolutely. For $235 shipped artwork on it, you can get a tape. You get 50 you of them. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. 50 of them. That's crazy. So if it's good content, you got a lot of shit, you can sell it for fucking 10 bucks. Make your money yeah. back like crazy. Yeah. Then you do another run of tapes. Yeah. and tapes, Or you spend another $100 and you get 100 tapes. I know, know Ridge is doing
1: some type of tape subscription service right killer. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he was talking about too. some of that. I guess he was in some drawing too that they were doing. And there's a guy who sends like dead birds. And stuff to people in the oh mail, God. yeah, with his tape, like his that's packaging. Weird, that. Yeah. He Let's said get... that he saw that he got into the drawing, and like that guy was fucking, one of the guys. I yeah, miss me with that. Yeah. Shit, dude. that's, that's fucking weird. crazy, dude. I was like, I can't believe that he's do. You get, somebody asked him like how he was getting away with it. He was like, I just package it really well.
2: I just packaged this dead rotting bird yeah. really well. That's cool, dude. How heavy? How yeah. brutal of you? That's a little lame, dude. No,
1: I think it is. Yeah, it's kind of like know, uh, whenever it's I fucking, heard uh, Jared Leto. How,
2: fucking a new super virus is gonna start exactly this yeah. fucking, this honestly, fucking we weirdo's mailing birds to, this to people <laughs> <laughs> i don't know he, I, he's probably a rad dude honestly you I know what know. i take it back that's actually pretty sick that's, yeah that's fucking pretty the nihilistic. legend of it
1: yeah the legend of it in and of itself and I, I don't know
2: yeah let it let, yeah let it ride let it ride dead like bird like fella
1: fucking jared leto was doing that whenever he got the joker role in that suicide squad movie he was putting dead birds outside of his like compatriots of trailers and shit. And like people were like writing, like how we see weird, fuck like, that. Fuck Jared. Yeah. I see,
2: I'm comfortable. I'm a comfortable distance away to say fuck Jared. Leto. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I'm a comfortable distance away from that guy. He'll never, yeah. he'll never, so pretentious. Feel, he'll never feel threatened by by me and my rage. Yeah. Fuck that dude. Yeah. Fuck 30 seconds to Mars. Fuck yeah. the whole lot of it. Dude. Yeah. Like that's when a, that's I was a, a, a kid, guy I've never been impressed with.
1: Yeah, like when I was a kid and I first heard Thirty Seconds to Mars, I was like, and like I knew that he was also an actor. I was just like impressed by the duality. Yeah, you know. Oh, initially. I mean,
2: he's a talented individual. There's no getting by that, but I just don't give but, a. But like, I just, I quick
1: it was fleeting. You know, like I just, no thanks, quickly Went past that. Yeah, and he's no been thanks, in a Bud. Few Not buying what you're And played a few good, few good roles, but it's like. Once you start hearing, like, the legend of him and, like, how difficult it is to act with him and shit. Oh, dude, he's like, a, is
2: he, like, a method guy? Is he yes, trying to be, like, Nicolas Cage Well, that's
1: the thing that's going on in the media right now with him is that he uh, was talking again about committing his method acting t- tactics. And, like, it's getting a big blowback because on all these press junkets with other actors, they're asking them about their opinion of it. And they're, like, directly, like, fuck that, like... Robert Pattinson, who just played the Batman, was in The Lighthouse.
2: That guy has serious roles yeah. only for the rest of his yeah. life, Yeah, he think.
1: needs to be, like, where he's, like, I started getting respect for him was with The Rover. It was, like, an Australian movie with so uh, Pearce. So I didn't
2: do the deep dive, so I think he kind of knew he was doing cakey clown shit, fucking young kid. Yeah. He got his foot in the door. Got his foot in the door, and I, I don't know, I mean, I'm pro-labor. You're pro-labor. Yeah. Get your work done, dude. If you're gonna be an actor, act. Right, right. Who gives a fuck? It's not right. who you, it's not, you don't get to be, like, who you are in movies is not, who you are as a person right absolutely i think that if you can be an actor and treat it as a trade because it is absolutely it's a craft it's a trade it's not everybody can act man no i think that like everybody thinks that they know shit about shit when it comes to the the media they consume right and they really don't right and i think that the standards that a lot of people have are right. sort of, like, unfounded and a little unbiased. Like, right. Like, not non-biased, I should say.
1: Also, I wanted to kind of touch on, because, like, David Cronenberg's probably my favorite director of all time. And I know that you guys did a video, I think it was off of Gemini, with some cuts from Dead Ringers. Yeah, I feel like. that's the, yeah. the record
2: is basically Dead Ringers themed.
1: And so, like, that, like, increased my fandom of Fister in and of itself. Because right on, was, hell like, Yeah. I like David. I went on a huge Cronenberg phase in like I want to say two thousand eight or nine.
2: Yeah, Gemini was the original name for that movie too. And yeah, so and that's like, what kind of what what we wanted to call the record Dead Ringers, but it almost made it a little too obvious. Yeah, yeah. So we we sort of like right did that. that makes and sense. Yeah, and yeah. then I mean, there's a little bit like there's a couple. I mean, the, the track Gemini itself is yeah. basically about the movie.
1: So when are you guys gonna do a concept album on Crash, dude? <laughs> 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 no, I don't know. <laughs>
2: We are, uh, I don't know, I don't know if this is like, if this is really palatable, I think it's not going to really fuck us up really by saying this, but I think we're going to do like a sequel to Gemini for our next full length. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. We're like sort of knocking around the idea of doing a conceptual sort of, not maybe Cronenberg esque thing. Yeah. But like a continuation.
1: Have you seen the trailer for his new
2: movie with Vigo that's coming out? Yeah, I did. And it's. Pretty awesome. Yeah, he's getting back to the body horse. It's going to be fucking nuts. Yeah. Like, for sure. And he, know, he knows that everyone's expecting, absolutely, they're expecting like pure madness yeah. to happen.
1: Yeah. Like, I feel like he's more aware now of his cult phenomenon and stuff, especially with his son making movies now, Brandon. Possessor's great. I love Possessor. I feel like it's actually underrated.
2: I'm kind of really afraid, not afraid, <laughs> I'm afraid yeah. to see what he does next because it's going to be fucking. Antiviral,
1: insane. it shook me like how good it was. Yeah. Like, when I watched it, I was like, this "He's talented. Is fucking I mean, he great. has it in his genes, man. Like yeah. he,
2: he he he's taken on that role like quite well. Yeah. Why not? Like you're fucking David Cronenberg's son. What are you gonna do? You're David Cronenberg's yeah. son. Like what, exactly right. What film are you gonna get into that's right. like more relevant than yeah. filmmaking?
1: Like, and he looks equally as wild as his dad. Dude, he's aspects. a psychopath. Yeah. Dude, yeah. his dad's a psychopath. Too. But it, <laughs> but I don't
2: I don't like you can't fuck fake the funk, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. There's nobody keeping it realer than fucking David Cronenberg. Truly. Well, uh, David that, Lynch maybe
1: oh hell yeah david David lynch is probably my top three yeah for sure there's i I, I did parallel i was doing i did it i burned through Cronenberg's filmography and i did david lynch's as well so like you know what's great about david lynch is he's done a lot of stuff with tv though too he's really he's really accessible
2: yeah when he wants to be i mean he he has it in him to i think make himself accessible that's what i think a true talented person is is like okay i could do this i do this for a living obviously what if, even if it's a fucking flop, I'm not going to be a poor person. I'm not going to, it's not going to ruin me. Right, right. But David Lynch, I think, has a sort of genius about him that lets him exist in obscurity and sort of a profound light, too, that makes right. people, like, he could make a Disney movie, I bet. Oh, I guarantee it. I think that he has got an appealing, it. it's, it'd be fucking weird and creepy. Oh, oh, yeah. And like suspect a yeah, little bit sure. in, in, my, in yeah. my brain but he i think he's that talented because he understands like how to captivate an audience and that's really what it is like when you when you create something for consumption you want people to react to it for sure you want people to react to it in any in any way like that that there's there's steps of it there's the initiate there's initial sort of like drawing someone in from what you're giving to them there's what they give back to you initially. Yeah. But then there's what they give back to you in the long run. Right. And then it's what you give back to them on the end part of it. And with David Lynch, he will just draw you in and keep you like just mystified. Hell yeah. Just mystified and hell just yeah. wanting to understand like what the fuck is going
1: on. I, the biggest thing that I'm drawn to him is his universe building. He puts so much attention to detail, even to the most background characters, and they become iconic you know, like as silly as of a character as log lady is in twin peaks. It's like, everybody knows the reference immediately that no, if you know, you know, like there's even like, there's a popularity to that right now. Like you see it shirts made and like Spencer's and shit about log lady. So like it's, it's actually permeated. And he had, of course there was like an interest whenever they started streaming that on Netflix too, for him to come back and do the new twin peaks yeah. as well. Yeah. So he did that for showtime, but yeah, there was a cult phenomenon. I feel like, like he had had a, it had a second life. He's big know? on lore. Yeah, absolutely. He
2: wants people to be engaged in the things that he's doing and wants people to, like... He wants people to dive deeper. Right. He wants people to, like, care about it. That's what I think Cronenberg does. Like, I he, think he will make people fucking... He will put it out there and make you, like, really rack your brain... Yeah. ...to try to catch up to what he was fucking getting at.
1: I feel like David Lynch, where he branches from Cronenberg in a different way, is that he... I feel like he leans into the campiness and he tries to explore the line yeah. that he can't cross. You know Cron- what I mean? Cronenberg so likes to take the that.
2: unfilmable and make right. it filmable. I right. mean, Naked Lunch is really where it. Right, like, absolutely. The dude took a novel that like
1: could that be- a guy was like on all kinds of drugs
2: that wrote it to begin with. <laughs> I mean he he was he was <laughs> he was fucking whacked out of his skull. Oh, absolutely, and, and like made it work. Yeah, and, and Cronenberg was like, "Got this." Yeah, I think. You know, that movie's excellent. Though. It's it's incredible. Like yeah. it's one of those things where you watch, most Criterion collection movies. Yeah. I find have been really like rewarding. like oh, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. to own, to absolutely have, own and have. It's like, oh, yeah, that's me real, too. Yeah, I've but,
1: got, I've got the Criterion video drone. I got that yeah recently. And,
2: and Video and Kenny is, I mean, again, same thing. He's got a uh, a shirt. It says, uh I think, "Long Live the New Flesh." And yeah. it's got fucking James Woods with the fucking yes mutant hand. Yes, that's dope. Those shirts are great, dude. I love that shit, man. Uh, uh I, I, yeah, that's the thing. We, I mean, we're we're always down. Like we're yeah. we're Cronenberg metal. we well, like, talking about talking
1: about shirts. You know, like a company like Holy Mountain does a lot of that that type of stuff too in design. Like they have Twin Peaks
2: shirts and so on. and So we forth. we played at Holy Mountain one time. And
1: I was gonna say that we no, played so there. You guys played there, and you guys have some merch and stuff. On oh there. yeah, like, Danny's um, the man, dude. Yeah.
2: So we we never did long sleeves before. And then our tour in 2019, we fucking we sold like 30 long sleeves. The first yeah. night of tour. And we played in Columbus, Ohio the next night. It was, like, the first official night of tour yeah. it was the next night in Columbus. And we, like, sold a shitload. We sold yeah. like, 20 that night. We're like, okay, we need more fucking long sleeves. And so called Danny up. I was like, cool, we'll do it. The dude's been amazing. Like, yeah. has hooked us up. He put out an old record of ours back in the day. Uh, yeah. He did put, we played, we played with Joy. Oh, shit. It was us, Christworm, and Joy. In the in the, yeah. uh, in the fucking holy mountain yeah. in the holy mountain shop. I didn't
1: realize that's who all played there.
2: Yeah, it was just three bands.
1: Oh damn! Yeah,
2: it was a fucking bruiser. That and then is me, awesome. me, and this weird kid drove to go buy weed from this guy <laughs> at that show. I drove our van. I drove our van. Oh my god! I remember driving our van like across town, like to go buy weed with this kid, <laughs> this kid from the show. Total sketch situation. Big time sketch. Well, you know, it was in a nice part of town. So the nice part of town, yeah. Yeah. But it was like it was weird. It was like a a sort of wooded sort of driveway, like where there was like it was like next to you know Forest Park Parkway, like next to Clayton, how like it has like the the kind of sort of tall highway, like middle of the city highway feel with like the trees and shit on the inside. It was kind of like that. And I was on like the other side of the highway, so it was like she going by. And I'm like sitting in a van waiting for this fucking kid to come back out i didn't give him my money yet he was gonna front them i was like yeah hey, i will only drive you to this fucking dude's house if you will front the front the money i can't front the money he's like oh it's all good yeah. like not trying to be weird or try to be like you no know, sketchy about buying weed but it's like i need to buy weed for the next couple of days hell and, yeah you know you're the only guy that said yes yeah after i've been asking around so let's yeah. fucking do this and we drove to this fucking weird house and drove back yeah that's yeah. us, us joy in word.
1: few times, Daybringer. Yeah. You're in Daybringer also. How did that band come together? I know, like, largely it's people that were in McCree. Previously. Yeah, so
2: McCree broke up in December of 2012, and I think the first Daybringer practice, we were called, we didn't even have a name at first, but the first name of the band was called Collapser, and there was already a band called that. We didn't use any, like, unused McCree material for the first stuff, or any stuff, for that matter. But... That's good. Maybe, like, a... We knew we were breaking up, so I think the first time we practiced was like two weeks before the last McCree show was the first day we were practice, and it was just the four of us. Walsh hadn't joined yet; it was yeah. just the four of us. Yeah, no the key, additional no guitarist you have now, right? Yeah, no keyboards, yeah. no vocals, just me, me, John, Brian, and Dan. We jammed. We wrote like a couple cool things, and we we're like, we we're gonna ask Walsh. She's like, hey, we should like we want to do another guitar player. Don't know if we want to do vocals, but we definitely want three guitars. we wanted yeah. to be like kind of weird, like angular, heavy rock. So we we did that practice two weeks before and was like, this is cool. Yeah. We'll keep doing this. And then we just kept rolling with it. And then Walsh joined. We were practicing at the basement of the food bar, actually. Oh, okay. Fister was too, but we we uh, at the same time, like we both Daybringer and Fister both moved to Maplewood to encapsulate it to start practicing. All right. All right. Uh, we recorded Gemini, Fister did. And in and, and that interim of time, it was like, okay, well, Fubar, we're going to move out of the Fubar basement into Maplewood because it's close to where we live. Gotcha. like more centrally located, a little more like stable practice situation. Like it was getting crowded in that basement with like, yeah. there was like three or four bands practicing down there. Yeah, and that's that fucking, crazy. Dude, it was like, you know, It was like 20 20 by 80.
1: Did you film some clips in that space for one of your videos in Fister? And encapsulated, yeah, Yeah. in our
2: our old practice space. Yeah, we did the video for Life is Short. Yep, yeah, yeah. 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 That was all iPhone 6, by the way. Hell yeah. All the the band shots were iPhone 6. Worked out well. Kenny edited some video in there from, you know, captured video from, from yeah. you know, open source video, but the rest of it was all yeah. iPhone 6, man.
1: Daybringer kind of, what's the idea there? I know you're doing something different musically in that band for sure. Even though you're still playing guitar, but...
2: Yeah, no, I mean, heavy instrumental. Like, we yeah. didn't really have... Like, we were kind of already doing thinking man's right. rock, I guess. Yeah. This is the best way to put it. Yeah, I hear you. Like, it was an extension of, like, what we were doing with McCree. Like, McCree, like- McCree was, like heavily influenced by what we were coming up when we were when i was like again kind of shooting back to like when i was in college and stuff the stuff i was listening yeah. to in college like code seven hope's fall k yeah, yeah, yeah. thrice right you know, a little bit of radiohead apex twin like yeah. you know weird stuff you know non non-heavy the non-heavy stuff like heavy but like not the heavy way that it is now post post hardcore i guess is the best way to say it even though a lot of bands get lumped into that yeah a lot of bands that i think get i'm bummed out to be associated with to be quite honest with you i hear you for me it's like that era of music got a bad rap because like so many rad dudes made made that kind of music and went on to make other music and that they get bands like hope's fall i think Hopesfall yeah, Fall is like a for like, sure they still make a music which is cool yeah
1: which i caught me by surprise because i forgot about them for a minute it's and good. uh they came up on my like daily lip you know playlist or whatever and it was it's like what, oh
2: shit it's what they were gonna do and it's cool and i'm way yeah. into it but like i just don't make that kind of music anymore it's weird I'm, i mean it's weird as a shift man it's fucking yeah. crazy i'm what i make what i make music now for i i'll say it right now they'll never be a mccree reunion never no never Way, i'll never make that kind of music in my life ever again not that i'm opposed to it or that i feel like resentful towards it right or if i feel like outgrown by it it's just not who i am right now Yeah, like i just don't like this it was good i agree yeah. with it and i still think it's good music and i still think that there is good stuff within that good regular guitar riffs right 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 but I could never make that kind of music ever again. Right, It just doesn't fit who I am. I need to play loud guitar in front of people with riffs hitting you in the right. face. You know? Yeah. And that's really what, like, it goes down to. Like, with, with not needing a front man, it's more, for me, is like, I got a guitar, I could play riffs simple enough to sing over it. Right, or I could write riffs that like someone would want to sing over it. That's not right. a front man. Right. That's a guy playing an instrument or something like that. Yeah, or, or keeping the keeping the band dynamic small. It seems large bands. Yeah. yes, large yes. groups yes. of guys in bands because yes. as be for being a working band, like for being a working dude out there, like yeah, on the road and shit. Like the less mouths you got to feed, the easier it is less to do. Less overhead for sure. As stupid as it is to think yeah. like that, like I mean, if you're gonna book multiple shows in a row and you only right. have three people in your touring party, yep. you could buy groceries and eat and sleep on friends floors and make good money good enough money to where you probably not missing your job at home that you're not getting paid time off for yeah you know or if or if you do have a job you're getting paid time off for you're getting a little bonus little kick you know because you got your shit together and that's how it goes but that's yeah that's like (laughs) that's I i
1: mean that's kind of the idea that we took with some of the bands that we were in and shit too it's like michael at one point it was michael ridge and i and then at another point it was just me ridge and jake you know it's like yeah Every time we tried to add somebody else to it, got I don't know weird, convoluted, yeah. yeah, and it was like you know, it always came back to us. We were the dependable people to play together. So, For like sure. the dependability makes a difference too, and like having the people that you have in your band and then you can predict what each other's going to do. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, that chemistry too, that you have, whether it's natural or it's been built over years of playing together too, is sometimes, you know, a huge deciding factor with who you're playing with too.
2: Yeah. I mean, mean, I've been playing with the guys in Damien for fucking 15 years. Right. I know what these guys are going to do front to back. Right. Walsh, I've known for almost 15 years too, on top of playing music with him for the last 10. Yeah. You know, almost 10 years. How did you
1: know Walsh prior to him being in the band?
2: Just, locals yeah st louis dude the guys in the band knew him before yeah he was in a band called the rise of science
1: back i in the day. didn't realize slash, he was in slash in that crimson addict yes i do remember the other name of the i band. didn't realize that was the same
2: guy yeah they they yeah well no walsh was walsh joined them and way later the Rise way later yeah way later yeah. walsh joined them after they're called the rise of science yeah, yeah. okay and I feel weird putting that name back out. Yeah, I know. Also, no. Also, <laughs> no. No fear in calling those dudes a bunch of fucking weirdos. Yeah,
1: for sure. No doubt about it.
2: But no, like that's it's yeah. Like so, Walsh is just a, a mutual friend.
1: So you guys have got a, a little bit of workout. I think there's like four EPs or so, or three. Yeah, we've did a few
2: singles. We've done. Um, so we did basically four, four. Releases we have like half hour blocks of music. Yeah, we have three of those, and then we have like this uh recent record we just put out. Dust Providence is just like a one long song, kind of our foray into long form composition. Yeah, we wrote that over pandemic actually. Me and Walsh, okay. did. me and Walsh did. Yeah,
1: yeah, because that came out in twenty twenty one, didn't it?
2: Yeah, we recorded it in December of twenty twenty. I gotcha. Mixed it for like four months. Just took our time. It's a long song. We did it all ourselves. It's a little over the thirteen minutes. Yeah, like thirteen and a half. Like yeah. I think if you, I think if you play, if we play it live, like two a click, it's like I don't know, close to thirteen or fourteen. Do you guys long. play with a click? No. If we were to, oh, I, I got you. If, yeah, we, were like no, if we were to, no, if we were to play along to the actual track, no. Yeah. Uh, no, we don't. Um, our guy could. I mean, fucking yeah. Yeah, DK rips. Like he's yeah. he's a great drummer. He, yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, we we used to not record to a click. We used to record live. We used to just like literally pile into the studio. And That's
1: how we did the world's EPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just
2: get get shit as separated as possible. Yeah. let it rip. Yeah. And then our well, third record, Parallelism. Yeah. We we got in there. We're like, okay, well, we want to do some layering stuff. We want right. to do some. We want to do some cool mixing stuff. When you
1: say you guys did it live, didn't did you go back and do any additional tracks? No, no overdubs. Type? Oh, nice. No, no overdubs. No overdubs. It overdubs. was it was straight up just like yeah. performance. Like
2: yeah. Uh, Obey the sun, the first one, and then um the other one's called No Rest North and South. Okay. That's the other one. Those are both totally live.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, totally live. Mixed, yeah. I mean, mixed I always, and shit. But no, yeah, yeah
2: no, no overdubs, no punches. You
1: can tell sometimes when it when it's recorded live in the sense of the energy that's brought. Yeah, and you know, that's the tempo why I
2: changes to, and things like that. That's why I brought the live tracks for this yeah. for this thing because, like, in I, some respects, I like it's almost show. like an
1: old hardcore approach to recording. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, like the, I mean, the live stuff. Like, I think that's. The real measure of a good band, if yeah, you can play live. And, oh, absolutely, and captivate people. And absolutely. If you have a fucking reputation yeah. as a terrible live band, like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, for sure. What's the point? I
1: mean, you can. There's ways for people to get internet famous, if you will, but you know that gets called out pretty quickly once they are out in front of people, though. Too. How much of that's engineered behind the scenes? That's and that sort true. Of stuff I, too.
2: That's true, and I think that people don't have a lot to hide behind sometimes with that. Right. I mean. Triggered drums and
1: yeah, auto tunes and this auto tune
2: with that. But actually, I know uh, my buddy Jesse that plays drums in the uses triggered kicks, and the dude fucking rips his shit's yeah. perfect. So, yeah, I mean, he's really good. That doesn't make you know, it doesn't, you know, triggered drums does not make a shitty drummer by any means. More, more for more for that. What I'm saying is like. People who can just kind of play raw, play raw and well, sound still sound good. Doesn't the drummer
1: from uh, Pig Destroyer use trigger drums sometimes? It's Adam Jarvis. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure he yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's a fucking insane drummer too.
2: We played with Pig Destroyer one time in Austin for South by Southwest. Hell oh, yeah! Fucking hilarious. Is it so it's funny. It was a daytime show. Fister did it. Was yeah. Fister Ringworm. Thou, Pig Destroyer, and Hell Power yeah. Trip.
1: Oh my god, dude. That was the
2: show. That is insane. You know who sponsored Power the Trip show? Is so dope. Mike's Hard Lemonade. That is
1: hilarious, <laughs> dude. Hell
2: we, played, yeah. we played second. Ringworm opened. We played second. Yeah, it was uh it was Ringworm, then us. Nice. And then uh I think Thou might have been that. Thou played after us I think Power Trip headline. We didn't we didn't get to see Power Trip because we had to go yeah. play later on that day. Thou played three shows that day. Oh wow. That was that's crazy. I'm not I don't know if Andy will ever hear this, but that was the drunkest I've ever seen a human being play a show still perfectly <laughs> was fucking Andy from fucking Thou. He was fucking ripped, dude. Those like guys he, dude, they insane, played at like one o'clock. Dude. So Austin Terrafest was the same day. Yeah. It was like a sixteen Thou bunch of fucking bands played that Hell day. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fucking rad day. Terrafest was sick that year. Uh but we, yeah, we we played two shows. And I thought we were fucking hosses, but yeah. fucking Andy from that was like, yeah, this is our third show. I was like,
1: fuck. Did dude, you see uh, Cave In and Converge played just yeah, there in Austin? The, yeah,
2: the, the pop up show. Yeah, yeah. the pop up show. Uh, Worshiper Cadmus, those are our buddies of ours. Oh really, Dylan from Dylan from Worshiper, and he actually kind of fixed and modified Kenny's cab last time. Oh here in Austin. shit, really? But yeah, he's a buddy of ours. Hell yeah. Yeah, we've know, dude. We know but all still- the gear people, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's our dude, that's deal. Dope. That's our deal, man. We go out there and we fuck. I mean, dude, I know Emperor guys are like, yeah. Like Emperor has been homies for the longest yeah. time. Fucking worshiper guys. Did they time make we go, your
1: guys' this drum kit? At one Kirk point, Kirk had an Emperor yeah. drum kit. Yeah,
2: yeah. uh huh. He's playing a Ludwig now. Yeah. Yep. Ludwig's are fucking dope. Dude, his uh, fucking kit's sick. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Daddy got a good drum set. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so how did you end up in Path of Might? So Spen- I know they were a band before. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So Path of Might's been one of my favorite local bands from yeah. St. Louis for fucking years, man. They are so good. Yeah. They're excellent. They, before they got Joel, who is their sense player now, mm-hmm. they were a ripping three piece. Like, it was just absolutely like super heavy, psychedelic, yeah. intricate, cool guitar parts. Yeah. Spencer's a great fucking guitar player. Derek's a mind blowing bass player. Adam's an incredible fucking accurate hard-hitting drummer yeah they're great songwriters they're great musicians and like i just have been i've, I've been envious of those guys for a long time like yeah. i've been a big fan of them for a long time and spencer played drums too back in the day mm-hmm. for a couple bands and fister was going on tour we needed a drummer and spencer filled in on drums for us Oh, okay and spencer just became like one of my best friends uh oh
1: i guess i didn't make that connection i remember yeah. that now oh yeah. yeah spence
2: filled on drums for us for a couple times he's yeah. actually He's played, I think, like 22 or 25 days on the road with us. Out of town days. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Com- I think it's 22, 17. He did a 17-day tour, so it's 22 days. Wow. He's played 22 out-of-town shows with us. Jason's played 24, I think. Oh, really?
1: I didn't realize yeah. he played that much, too. But then that's you were doing that North American tour yep. at the time, though, mm-hmm.
2: too. I mean, yeah. Gabe played shows with us. Gabe from fucking yeah. uh, encapsulated from every cool punk band. Same with yeah. Us absolutely and also the guy who records all the fister records yeah uh, he's fucking sick yeah but spencer spencer's a, a you know amazing musician great drummer and he was like hey man right actually right around the time the pandemic started he asked me if i wanted to join path and i was like i don't think i could do it man like yeah maybe even before that yeah uh, is, is right around the time they had the new record recorded and he, he was like i can't do it man i don't have time i might have time i'm not sure and then pandemic happened and my, right, whole, right. my whole life went upside down right, right? Right? i was right. like shit I need to just, I just needed to do, do shit, man. I just yeah, need to yeah. Fucking buckle down and do it. So Jason, back in, well basically back in January, right around before the pandemic, Jason was like, hey man, I want, I'm doing this band. Would you want to be in it? And I was yeah. like, Oh yeah, I could probably maybe do it. This and is ad, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe do this, you know? Yeah, and then I said kind of yes to that, and then yeah. I was like, "Well, I already said yes to Jason, but like, I could also probably do path. Like, guess maybe the fucking new shit's yeah. awesome." Yeah, I did vocals on one of the songs on the right. record, and like it. This is before I said yes to joining the band, and then Spencer was like, "Hey, man, like, just following up. Like, what do you think, man?" I was like, "Yeah, man, fuck it, let's do it. Let's, let's yeah. do it." So I got with him, learned the songs, like. It was hard. It was extremely hard. It's some of the most challenging guitar work that I've done. Really? Oh, dude. It is out of control. I could see it.
1: I was, I became aware of them, but then I saw all of a sudden that you were in the band, so I gave it even more attention, you know? And uh, I was like, holy shit, like, where have these guys been? Like, why haven't I not been paying attention been to They've been tearing them? it up, dude. Yeah. They've been tearing up they in St. Louis for a long time. Opening man.
2: for great they opened for Inner Arma uh, a couple of years ago. Really? It was Walsh's bachelor party, yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's awesome. No, man. They're just, I mean, they're, they're incredible musicians. Like, they yeah. they have the depth for great right. Great shit. And I was i was honored, man. Yeah. I was truly honored to be asked to do it. Yeah. It was a challenge. It was a very big challenge. It was like some of the most challenging guitar stuff that I've just ever. Just from heard.
1: the technicality standpoint, or what is it? Yeah, mean? like, I
2: mean. Can you nail it down? Derek Reif, I want to say right now, is just one of the most genius musicians I've ever worked with. Bass player for Path of Might. And for Hot Corpse, who, by the way, is also another sick band that's coming up that you would definitely. Oh, dig. damn. They're called Hot Corpse. Yeah, it's him. It's uh, all St. Louis guys. And it's like a life once lost meets fucking pissed off. Oh, damn. Fucking like, I don't know how to describe it. It's Hell awesome. Yeah. It's really good. I, I say a life once lost is like the main band that it sounds like to me, but Hell they yeah. might, they might disagree on that. But like, it's like just. Punishing fucking. Well, a life of loss. I
1: feel like is another band that gets uh, a bad rap, like in the sense that they get lumped in with other bands that they're not like, in my opinion. Uh, like, they did
2: the Meshuggah thing for a little bit, yeah. But that, to me, was their yeah, shining still achievement. Good. They were the yeah. American Meshuggah, but it wasn't. But it wasn't metal. It was fucking hardcore. Right. Right. It was like just fucking smashing I in feel the like face they got riffs. lumped
1: in for whatever reason and maybe it's just because they were popular at the same time not that they sounded anything like each other but like jaw for a cowboy yeah for they example did. and that was very fleeting they toured with that band I'm yeah, pretty sure they I did a so. tour with him yeah
2: but they were like the same The same record label would put out that kind of stuff right they put out stuff that was like groovy and also stuff right. that was fucking insane but uh, anyways caves finally and was like yeah man I'll learn the songs and then yeah. dude it was like an experience like I my
1: gangbusters after that
2: dude straight <laughs> up like this the hardest material that I've had to learn that I've had to like learn as a guitar player to be in a band. Uh, Storm Ruler was really hard, too. I take that back, man. Storm Ruler and Path of Might equally hard yeah. as fuck. I learned a lot of wild fucking shit. I crammed my brain full of like a lot of content.
1: What I found like my, my, when I advanced musically was like whenever I was playing different types of genres or having to force myself into maybe playing something that I wasn't so familiar with or in tune with in the past. So like, I think that's kind of what you're doing too with the three different bands is the three different sounds that they're all going for and the musicality that goes behind it too. It's all heavy
2: riffs, man. Yeah. It's all heavy riffs that's what I'm all about. Yeah, for sure. That's, like, what it all comes down to, man. Just play heavy, <laughs> loud fucking riffs. Make them sound cool. Playing guitar is the thing I'm the best at, yeah. I think, in my life. And I I mean, not even... I, I, On a scale of what people could be good at guitar, I don't know how good I am at guitar, but I just like playing it, man. You're I just like, it, dude, brother. it just... It, it, there's something... It just makes sense. It's like yeah. one of those things, like, you just sit down and do something that makes sense. Like, yeah, I, like, with Fister, like, I, dude, I don't even know how we... I don't know how I even decided that I even wanted to write music like yeah, that. Yeah, compared to what I used to write, sure. Never thought I'd ever do sure. stuff like that. Sure. And then I find myself just turning it into rock and roll. Yeah. You know, it all comes full for circle, sure. dude. Absolutely. It all comes full circle. Yeah. Everything I'm doing is just I know rock you, and roll. You
1: guys are all like really into older rock bands too, like ZZ oh, Z Top, dude. for example. And I love ZZ Top. They're one it's my top favorite favorites. band. Really,
2: Z, I think ZZ Top is my favorite band. I think I can go on record as saying that ZZ Top yeah. is my favorite band. The first five records.
1: Yeah, I feel like like when you first started uh, Daybringer too, you mentioned something about Dire Straits or something like that. Oh yeah, as an dude, inspiration, Mark Knopfler, dude. Yeah, like, and I was like, I don't get this at first, and then like I I like Dire Straits, Pink but, Floyd, Dire Straits. Yeah,
2: anybody who just plays the fuck out of guitar. Yeah, man, like I'm. But just,
1: the, that being listed as an influence just caught me off guard at first. You know, I, before I heard you guys music, I learned
2: a lot, dude, in the last like six years from an old blues guitar player from St. Louis that is like a mentor to me and like has kind of uh I want a special shout out John McVeigh for sure. The dude I see
1: you talking about him frequently on social media. Dude he's
2: he's dude he's like this dude from St. Louis who he's not even from St. Louis, he's from fucking Florida by way of Little Rock, by way of Austin, Texas. Holy shit. He played guitar with Larry Davis back in the eighties, the guy that wrote the guy that actually wrote Texas Flood. Yeah. He was Larry Davis's guitar player throughout the eighties and then he lived in Austin in the nineties. Playing all up and down Sixth Street. He had money nights at Antone's nice. on Sixth Street at Austin for years, toured Europe, all over the world. Like has gotten paid to play guitar for the last like fucking 40 years of his life. Jeez. And he's like this you know, this heavy fucking cat, dude. Yeah. Like like he taught me a lot of shit. Like I, I got hooked up with him and just got immersed not so much even in blues really, but like just guys that play the fuck out of guitar. My 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 guitar idols range from fucking Buzz Osborne to yeah. Chris Chris Cornell, Freddie King, yeah Frank Zappa.
1: I think Chris Cornell's an interesting one because I wouldn't have guessed that. Kim
2: Thale more than Chris Cornell really. I yeah. would say I would say Kim Thale. Yeah. Chris Cornell as a I guitar to player him. to me more is like a he's like a
1: well as the, a guy a, that's he's the sixth also, man.
2: He's a bench guy. He's a guy yeah. off the bench. Yeah, He can handle it. He's like, I want to play the weird fruity tuning, yeah. And then Kim's right, gonna right. play the heavy riff, right, right? 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 Yeah, so yeah, I, I, would put, I would put Kim Thale over Chris Cornell in that, yeah. But then honestly, Steve Brodsky is, yeah, is old, my moderate. So I'm gonna go ahead and right now and just full on simp for Kaven as being my favorite band, yeah. Absolutely. Next to ZZ Top, ZZ Top's my favorite band of all time, but Kaven. If I'm favorite going to Desert right Island... Two, uh, oh, i just bring two records. It's a Z-Top record and a Cave-In record. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, I absolutely If I bring like a third it. one, it's it's Sabotage by Black Sabbath. Hell yeah. And that's my third Hell yeah. one. Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> my... Probably my two favorite current bands are Converge and Cave-In. So... Yeah, the newest Caven stuff is genius. Oh hell yeah, dude! Blinded by a
2: blaze is yeah. maybe my favorite stuff. I love
1: the variety that they're bringing, like with this, just the singles that they have out already, and then the full album came out today, right? Oh, uh, it comes or, out tonight. tonight. I got my copy that's in the right. mail the other day. I was gonna say I saw PQ. Dude, it comes is... with the,
2: dude. Check this shit out. It comes with a yeah. boss fucking poster too. He just put like a little picture of it, so I didn't. This is my hand for scale for how big the poster that comes with it. Oh damn, dude, that's dude, dope. Yeah.
1: Hell yeah. Is that, I guess that's all Hooper's artwork? Uh, the, the artist that they use all the time? He, uh,
2: no, Aaron Turner. Oh, no, okay. uh, I think Aaron Turner from Hydrahead did some yeah. of it. Yeah, but no, I, you might be right. It might be that guy. Cause he does a lot
1: of their designs, especially like the real intricate, almost like ornate Polynesian looking. I just got, ornate, that. I just got this designs. band
2: too, Come to Grief. I just got their record too. Come to Grief is great, dude. I highly suggest that band. I haven't listened to them, so i have to check them out. Come to Grief features, uh, T- basically it's terry from grief the band grief uh that sludge band from the 90s mm-hmm. he's it's basically the resurrected version of grief oh shit yeah for real yeah that's cool we met him in uh philly back in september i went and saw to the philly Decibel what was it decibel metal and beer fest in philadelphia okay yeah back in september of last year me kenny rick and scott went okay. fucking, fucking napalm death Converge played Jane Doe front to back. Hell yeah, dude. Dead guy played.
1: Hell yeah. Dead uh, Midnight
2: sweet. played. Teeth played. Teeth. So.
1: You got? Haven't you done a, a split with? Him? Yeah, we all died tonight. Yeah, that was a song
2: we did. That's actually a Wu Tang lyric. Yeah, we all died tonight. That's where that came from. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> gangster rap is is laced in pretty hardcore with Fister's uh, sort, I of, love sort of sort of like too, identity. Yeah. For Sure, we when we toured Europe for the first time with Primitive Man, our driver Nico Bones, he was uh, he owns this record label in France called Bones Brigade Records, and he was all about gangster rap. We listened to nothing but like Hell yeah, Eight Ball and MJG, and fucking, that's dope, like UGK, Ghetto Boys, uh, hell a, yeah. a lot of DJ Screw. Like, hell yeah, I'm
1: way into that. Yeah, dude. DJ Screw, I've started to get into a little bit more so. I love
2: it. Sure. I love it, dude. I think it's why I like playing slow. Definitely. DJ Screw. DJ Screw is like it's maybe got the, a
1: good, like, you know, low vibe to it, you know, for Houston, sure. baby. Yeah.
2: I have a DJ Screw shirt that I got in El Paso, Texas. And it's Oh really? It's white shirt. It used to be it was tie-dye when I bought it, but the, the tie dye is fade. It was tie-dyed purple and white. <laughs> and it had DJ Screw in the middle and it had like cups pouring lean yeah. down and it said uh arrested rest in peace, screw, and then it said, on the top, it said, S-U-C, screwed up crew. That's apparently, awesome. like, screwed up records is, like, you can go there still in Houston. Oh, really? Yeah, but apparently, they're, like, the prices are exorbitant. Oh, that's crazy. Like, they're just, It would like, be
1: cool if you could do it, though, just to see. I mean, yeah, it, I'll go, fuck yeah. yeah, dude. I that's love dope. it, dude.
2: We dude, Kenny almost bought this Mystic Styles fucking like huge po like huge fucking flag. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, we do that. I'm super into that shit. Anything anything slow and sticky yeah. and heavy, dude, give it yeah. to me.
1: I was happy to get this isn't necessarily in the same wheelhouse, but I got an MF Doom uh shirt oh, the dude. other day. He's, I love he's the, the master. MF yeah. He's the best. Like whenever he like announced like much after the fact that he died, I feel like. Yeah. Wasn't it like months? Perhaps I something think. like that. Yeah. yeah. What is it? I uh, was like totally shocked. You know, capital-
2: capitalized the letters when you spell the man name yeah. or whatever. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Fucking big, big shout out to fucking the man. Yeah.
1: Too. He's fucking rest in peace. Rest in <laughs> peace, dude.
2: Dude, I remember watching Adult Swim like back when yeah. I was still living yep. at
1: home. Like that was my introduction. To Danger that. Doom. Yeah.
2: All the Adult Swim stuff. Yep. Like, dude, his genius can't, like, absolutely, it's unparalleled. He did a collaboration with Mr. Fantastic. That's really, really sick. Yeah. Rap snitch canishes, I yeah. think is the name of the record yeah. or the name of the song. Dude, it's like the maybe the best song, like maybe the best rap song I've ever heard in my life. It's fantastic. It's incredible. Like he's, I lo- I mean, he's like,
1: another guy that got overlooked, I feel
2: like. Like Yeah, he's get, he's starting that, to
1: get a bit of a cult following again. But
2: I, th- I think the cult following was always there. His death shook people, dude. Yeah. I, mean, I think it I think it like really like ignited the cult following that was already there. Cause M F Doom was a genius for twenty years. I mean, yeah. The guy was obviously like maybe the best mind in rap. I mean, maybe, maybe I loved
1: his infusion of like old school, like nerd cultures type stuff in his music. Of course, like especially like old Marvel comics and shit like that, you know, like a lot of comic culture infused into his music. He
2: was he was person that I think would try to enlighten people within the culture of shit they weren't really into. Sure. And be like kind of like a hey, you know, we we don't got to always do this. We can do this We can check this shit out. Like, he was, I think he bridged the gap for a lot of people to kind of, like, cross-pollinate themselves on, like, what they were for sure. into. Absolutely. He he really made people aware of shit, because, like, right. people who were listening to his music, there was, like, never, they weren't comic book people at all. Right, right, right. I think his, his musical ability sort of superseded his cult of personality. Right. Because, like, people talk about his rapping, talk about his genius, so like, right. how good for of a sure. vocalist he was, and how good his ear was, and how good he was able to... Pick a beat out of nothing right. and like sort of make it cooler with the way he fucking right, spit right, over. It, you know
1: what's kind of interesting too is kind of the overlap of like old school rap too and and some even hardcore especially as it progressed in the late 80s and like the early 90s like yeah. the more commercial there was more commercial stuff but like all those guys you were know, into like the same stuff Ice-T for example dude you know? all those guys were yeah. into the same stuff it was, right.
2: a, it was a musical identity that everyone could get onto because everyone right. who was into the hard ass shit in the late 80s early 90s were into the same thing right gangster rap and fucking hardcore
1: and, and a lot of the things the were about guys. like police violence and brutality and things who of that got either. hassled more by the police yeah. in those days absolutely. punk rockers
2: and fucking rappers and stuff. absolutely like On the in a musical scene sort of way yeah in a music. scene scene sort of way not i mean socially obviously we know right. who's been being fucked with, absolutely but like, i mean in the music right. in a music scene way like henry rollins talked about it for years right about how absolutely you know it was not safe to be a punk rocker or how right. it wasn't safe to be someone that if you looked at them especially somebody the like
1: him he was very abstinent too and that well yeah like well he, he was is...
2: he was for the fucking culture he was right. down like this dude that dude did not like take a joyride on his fame whatsoever he right. was not he was He's he was like, never
1: enamored with his own celebrity.
2: No, no, he never was. And he never took himself for granted. Right. And I feel like he he always like knew what he had going on. Was for like, sure. Like, I'm a guy that people are listening to. Yeah. I should set an example. I should yeah. do this. I should do that. Like For sure. He bought, he bought a, <laughs> did you know he bought Fister Records one time? No. Henry Rollins did, yeah. No way. So he's like an avid record collector, right? Yeah. And uh, yep. the violence, sure. the Tenants Records, it was a five piece set. Each movement had its own variant. Yeah. yeah. So when we released it, this record label from Columbus called Gog Magogical Records did five variants, one for each movement, different color vinyl, different color cover, all screen printed. I mean, it was limited to 500 copies, 100 of each 100 each copy. Yeah. Now I think the cheapest one on Discogs is like 400 bucks to get, wow. to get just one of them, I think. But Henry Rollins bought it way back in the day when it was still available. He like checked out the web store or whatever, and he's an avid vinyl buyer, and he like bought it. And the guy who on the label like sent Kenny a message. He was like, hey, man, I think Henry Rollins just bought your guys' album. That's awesome. Man. And it, apparently, like, he did. And then Kenny emailed him, and they were emailing back and forth. Really? Is, yeah, yeah. So he, we, we had that weird sort of contact with Henry Rollins there for a little That's bit. That's fantastic, yeah. dude. And we the sad part is is that we went to see him in St. Louis. Uh, he did like a yeah, spoken, word. spoken word show. Yeah, it yeah. was awesome. It was, it was really recent. cool. But like the the opportunity just didn't. Like work out like we we he, I don't know if he texted Kenny or he emailed him early in the day. It's like hey, I'm doing this and doing that. I don't know if I'll be able to do this. If I can, we'll do this. And it just, right, did, right. just didn't work out. Right. We gave him a we gave him a, a like a super rare copy of one of our records and stuff. Yeah. And like he he eventually like reached out to us again. It was like hey yeah. yeah this shit happens. But yeah, he bought he he, he bought I'll get you the next bought time. one of our records. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking cool. Yeah, I and he know just out of, out of
2: nowhere, like, the dude, like, the guy, regularly record label was like, holy fuck, I think Henry Rollins just bought one of his
1: records. <laughs> that's insane, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, my brain can't even wrap around that being a possibility ever happening, like, what I would do in those situations. Yeah, and then Kenny, like, you know? like, emailed him back and forth. Yeah. He was, like, talking to Henry
2: Rollins yeah, for and that, a couple that,
1: of weeks. Yeah, that, e- that even makes it crazier, for sure. You now, you've mentioned this a few times, too, that you guys are gear guys, for sure. And oh, I want to yeah. talk about your rig a little bit for, dude, you
2: know, I'm my
1: gear nuts out there.
2: Man, like, it's all about 100 watt tube amps, I think, yeah. are what the standard should be for if you're going to be playing loud, heavy stuff. Yeah. That's just my philosophy. 100 tube watts, 412 speakers. Get whatever combinations you like. Play with what you like. Like, I'm a, I'm a humbucker guy. I'm a Marshall Plexi guy. I use Stonecutter yeah. amps. It's basically a, a Marshall Plexi clone. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that's what it was. Yeah. This guy yeah. from uh, Carbondale, Morgan, uh-huh. makes them called Stonecutter amps. Like, he'll make you whatever you want. I don't know what his, like, what his like, order situation is right now. Sure. But.
1: I'm sure components and things are hard to get right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But
2: he's he's a no. I mean, he's been, I got, fuck, I got that amp over 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Right around the time I did the Emperor thing, I got the cutter okay. amp. Yeah. I was like, kind of like, I, I want to play through handmade shit. Yeah. I want to know sure. a human being made Hand the wellness. guitar player, the guitar yeah. amp I'm playing through. I've never like really, like, I've bought a couple of different amps here and there that were like commercial amps. Yeah. and They've worked for me. Like I'm a Sun. I love Sun amps. Sure, like they're my, Oh, absolutely. You know. But hard uh, to come by,
1: though. They are and hard to come by and in good condition. Well, yeah. I mean,
2: if but if you know where to look,
1: uh, where Ridge got a good deal on a Sun bass combo amp. Oh yeah, used for a minute. Nice yeah, for like, especially for practices and stuff. Dude, sometimes people paid like eighty bucks cash for it. Dude, like, seriously, sometimes, sometimes people just don't know what they got. Yeah,
2: that's the best part about gear. Is like if you're like vigilant about it, like you can definitely like find a deal. Yeah, music go round. Yeah, so I would highly, I highly advocate music go around. Somebody told me about that. One of my, I what of my non, one my non-paying in South endorsements. Yeah. yeah, that dude. I bought a Sun Beta Power Plus there one time for fifty dollars.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, hundred yeah.
2: watts of fucking power for fifty yeah. bucks.
1: Yep. I like peruse their online listing initially, so that's what kind of turned me off because they didn't have like a ton of drum stuff on there in particular. But I was looking you at guitar there, stuff. You've gone in there. The drum yeah. shit all over the
2: place. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah I but yeah, like half, sure. of it's, half of it's a Plexi sound. Always wanted a Marshall Plexi. Loved yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Uh, fucking Michael. Harris Kurt went. Blue. Fucking. Uh, I mean, everyone plays Plexi. Yeah. So. Jimi Hendrix. Right. Marshall Plexi. Hell yeah. You know, it's the sound. Yeah. Billy Gibbons. Right. That's, that's his sound, dude. Marshall Plexi fucking cranked. Ripping. Just absolutely cranked. Yeah. And then uh, uh, the other half of it's a Sun Model T, and a Stonecutter, yeah, brand Sun Model T, yeah. Which I again, Stephen Brodsky cave in, yeah, absolutely. Like, That's what I'm going for. I'm yeah. going for that tone. Like he's I've been chasing like that dude's tone for. My current
1: favorite guitarist, without question. He's a genius, dude. Yeah.
2: I mean, he's a modern genius. Like yeah,
1: he's got like so much ability to like how he can even change and do stuff with other people, like. He did the stuff with um, Marissa Nadler, yeah, and
2: uh, he's... and Ruth Rundle,
1: yeah, I Emmy mean, Ruth Rundle, and he's like doing did the last. I mean, he's done stuff with Converge in the past, but did the last album full on.
2: Yeah, he was a bass player for Converge back in the day. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, did the Blood Moon shit like a long time. He did like a weird collaboration a while back, and then did Blood Moon recently too. Yeah, he yeah he dude he's
1: but he's like I just admire like even his lyrics too if you. Like, when I was younger and I heard Kaven, I like, liked him, you know, I've, I've liked him. Uh, how I found out about him was from you. So, again, I should have mentioned this earlier in the talk, but, like, well, yeah, I mean, another big memory was, like, you came to Michael's house one time and, like, we ripped your iPod oh, yeah. on his computer. And oh, we, yeah. like, got all of us had, like, the exact same iPod clones of you, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and we're running around with them. Fucking and right, And fucking, like, like, listening and everything. So, like, Kaven was one of those bands that was like, holy fuck, oh, yeah, where has this band been? Yep. And like I've been a fan of like it's not that long I get it but like my exposure to it because like I I grew up in a house that didn't even have internet really that you could download anything yeah. up until like I was like 17 or 18 yeah oh, yeah so like my exposure was limited and I like started getting out of the house and hanging out with Michael and them about that time too yeah. so it's kind of a perfect storm yeah so. oh yeah here in Caven like I never heard it I mean
2: oh, dude, there's just, clearly
1: influences there that you can say you've heard things like that but however they are they nobody doesn't like them yeah. They have their own signature sound for yeah. sure.
2: This is definitely gonna be a cave in sim fucking podcast. Yeah. For everybody for sure. Like <laughs> give me the riffs to it comes out, dude. It comes out at midnight tonight. I'm fucking definitely yeah. gonna listen to it. Hell yeah. Set my alarm uh, wake up. The and new, new George
1: Carlin documentary comes out on HBO tomorrow, too. Nice. Yeah, they they kind of announced it out of nowhere. And I started following his daughter on Twitter because she's been putting up a lot of cool, like, uh, cool photos and shit. That's awesome. Too. And it's really cool. Like, I think
2: he's one of the most, uh, he's under, top five uh, comic. Under- all under- time, well, man. he's one of the most modern, like, one of the most modern, like, just like minds, intellectuals for sure. I would say, yeah. like, beyond comic, like, yeah, just public figure, especially like his later material started to get that. He's like Plato, dude. Yeah, like, he's like a modern, sure. he's like, dude, his, 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 his nihility, like, meeting yeah. his, his, he really does enjoy the finer things and the nicer right. things like in the simpler things in life
1: for sure I just fucking hated so like the excess and, oh, the, dude I loved it know, like it, just, it was inspirational man yeah for sure and the way he would attack it was dope
2: next hair move i'm gonna just shave my head dude i'm gonna fucking go i'm gonna look like a total psycho for a couple years that's
1: exactly what i told pam like the minute that this gets too thin it's going totally bald oh, no you know, i'm gonna shave my head and drafted. mustache just do go you
2: know, down to a mustache oh shaved head down to a mustache oh my god <laughs> psycho look do you don't know, look like a total like i have, I have a Walter couple white <laughs> of, i have a couple of friends i have a couple friends who have done this who've yeah. gone down to shaved head and just mustache from being long-haired fellows yeah. and like Cause it's like all dreads and shit now. Like it's fucking. It's just beyond. It's beyond whatever. It's just gonna be. It's just gonna get. It's gonna get whatever it is from now. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna ride it out for right now. And then just fucking let it rip, dude. Like one of these days, I'll just show up somewhere with a shaved head. Just
1: totally shock everybody. What kind of happened with Jake? He did that.
2: Oh yeah, but he looks great. He looks great, dude. He looks fucking great. He totally it. Like I yeah. I would have to like just. It's hard because like you look. I find myself looking at myself. Not a lot. I don't look at myself yeah. ever. I'll go sometimes a couple of days without looking at myself in the mirror. Because I'll walk straight into the bathroom, go to the yeah. bathroom, and I'll like I'll brush but I'll like, I'll, like, I'll like there's a mirror in the bathroom mirror, you know, sure. obviously to get my into my fucking right, bathroom right, right. cabinet. I'll like look at it like I'll like I'll be brushing my teeth, getting ready to go to bed, right? But I don't look at myself. I just right. brush my teeth. And then like a couple every couple of days I'll look and am like, fuck, oh fuck. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, I look I look like that. Damn <laughs> it. <laughs> and it, just, it has yeah. gotten progressively like over and over the years, and now it's just like to the point where like, well, I'm just gonna let go, because it's part of it. Part of it was like a grieving thing for my brother too. Like I, I kind of told myself I was that. like, I'm just gonna like, not give a shit about what anybody thinks about me, yeah, at all for the rest of my for life. Sure. That that was like one of the things. Like I cared so much about like what people thought up until that point, point. and when my brother died. I was just like, nah, nothing kind of matters. Like yeah. I mean it you know i'm not trying to get like deep on that like i you right. know i grieve my brother all the time like he's right. you know miss him every day it's a, not yeah. it's not what this is about it's more just like a, who i was like as a person i was like you know i just i like, don't care Just gonna do my thing Just gonna live my life and just who gives a shit like right. a shit no one cares absolutely i've slid by and succeeded in everything i've ever wanted to do right. so far up to this point and i have no i have no like i have no like quarter with anybody like yeah. i'm i'm even keel with everybody straight up face to face like there's no like any sort of like uh regret that i have for anything well you, that's
1: just a part of maturity too in some respects yeah but, you know like we all go through things from grieving in particular too that, for sure you know kind of changes and shape us in some respects but yeah i don't i've always kind of subscribed to the theory although like i don't know i was always my biggest critic like that's where totally I really, me too, me too. you know, kind of f- focus in on, but yeah. I but when you
2: like, evolve from the self-loathing of just the surface area yeah, stuff to yeah. like the self-loathing of deep like personality stuff, once you graduate out of that, man, and you just get to the point where you're yeah. just like, I don't give a fuck, dude, like I'm, right. doing, I'm doing what I'm doing. And like, that's just like what I want to do. Like again, I'm not a person to give advice to anybody, but any, if I would give any advice to anybody at all that would want to take it, it would be, you can really seriously do anything you want if you just don't give a fuck. For sure. Like if you if you want to do something, and you have no options, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But if sure. you have if you have options, like right. just do it. Like I've any time that I thought that I wasn't that I had no support from people, I had support from everybody that I knew. Every time that I felt down from something you know, whether it was my grief or whether it was like any kind of like personal shit from changing jobs or yeah. any kind of personal shit from moving away from my parents' house or sure. any, kind of, any kind of stuff that sure. sort of stood in my way. I knew I had people backing me up and, yeah. that, and that like really sort of like is what's kept it, kept it. Well, that's a huge support system for what you're doing too. Yeah. yeah. Like people, I mean, just people it's, it's like, you know, it's the, it's the launching pad that you can kind of right. jump off right. of to get to the next point. Right. Right. Cause people, you know, people, Just giving people support is, like, it goes a long way, man. Just even people being arbitrarily nice to you about the smallest thing. And with music, I've been very fortunate with people, like, digging what I do. And I've only always just done what I wanted to do. There's never been a moment where I played a riff or played something because I thought that it would make somebody happy other than myself.
1: That's not really the reason that you should play. Well, that's my opinion. I get that people play music for paychecks and that sort of thing. That's, different. That's, but different. that's different. that's way different. That's way different.
2: I think that I think that there's that's the
1: more nine to five approach. But the nine right to five
2: now. approach, man. I'm from talking about from the fucking mill area of Missouri music. Yeah music approach like none of us were ever gonna be rock stars from down here the cool shit that i've gotten to do musically has been mainly mainly because i care i care about it 100 right i've always cared about it i've never had yeah. asked it never 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 bought into bullshit never did shit that i thought was cool because somebody else thought was fucking cool because right. i wanted to fucking do it what i like to do was well perceived by a lot of people and it's been pretty cool. It's just been And you're fortunate in that way though. Yeah, very fortunate in that way. And did enough fucking play a lot of shitty shows, man. Like a lot of terrible shows. Like I know. People around here can really care (laughs) a lot, dude. There's some people out there who just don't give a fuck. Yeah, for sure. One time when we were in the United Kingdom, we played in front of nine people. Mm. In Leeds. Live at Leeds. That's our joke. Live at Leeds. Nine individuals paid. We did not get paid that night. I would imagine not. We How did, could? I, I'm in Leeds, United Kingdom. I'm fucking 6,000, 7,000 miles away from my hometown from all the security and all the yeah. payment that I have, and we got paid $0 that night. My God. That would be like know, one of the most vulnerable did, feelings in But your you life. know what we did get that night? What's that? We got a couple of cases of beer from the bar, added onto our tab, and the bartender goes, oh, well, we take this off just what what you'd get paid for the night and after nobody after nine people fucking paid to watch us play that night the yeah. bartender was like oh well you guys drank two cases of beer so yeah i'm sorry you're not getting paid tonight." i was like oh okay we don't owe anything for the beer I was like oh no no that was part of the agreement I was like cool we at least got
1: that right
2: six so two cases of beer and then we just kept drinking because yeah. we had to get up really early the next day morning because we had to get to I think Leeds was the last night that we we had to do a ferry the next day. I can't remember if we did a ferry the next day or not. We, yeah, I think Bel. I think Belgium was the next day. I think Brussels was the next day. So we had to do like a, a early early morning ferry. So we gotcha. had to basically get as drunk as we possibly could until like two o'clock in the morning. Holy shit! And then drive and get a ferry that we got on at seven o'clock in the morning. Wow. Declare all our shit. Do our passport shit.
1: Yeah, like just the logistics of international touring. I could just like I'm just hearing about some of what my friends have went through and stuff, it's like, uh oh man, I would just have like a panic attack. Like, I haven't flown a lot in my life either. It's not as bad. You know?
2: It's not as bad if once you get there and you're there for a while, like if you get to mainland Europe and you just chill in mainland Europe for the most part, mm-hmm. you don't really got to fly that. I mean, we, the most flying we've ever done was the last time we went to Europe because we had to fly... That was a hellish fucking trip to get there, by the way. We had to take a bus from St. Louis to Chicago because okay. it was cheaper to fly out of Chicago than it was in St. Louis. We saved like 500 bucks each. So dig this, man. So 3.30 in the morning, we're leaving St. Yeah. Louis to get to Chicago. Our flight from Chicago to, I think it's from Chicago to Iceland and then from Iceland to Finland because the first show was in Finland. I think we had like seven hours. So it was a three and a half hour, four and a half hour bus ride. Five and a half hour bus ride to fucking Chicago. I can't remember. It was early in the morning. 3.30 was our fucking bus call time. Bus call. The Greyhound station. Me and and Kenny and fucking (laughs) our buddy Alex all carrying. I had a guitar and my fucking pedal board and my backpack and my suitcase. We flew southwest, so we got to check two bags for free. This day starts at 3.30 in the morning. Bus ride to Chicago. Get to Chicago. It's like 11 in the morning. It takes a long time. It takes like way more than like five hours. So our flight doesn't leave till like five or six o'clock. So uh-huh. we had to take an Uber from the bus stop that dropped or that drops us off to Chicago yeah. to the airport. We get to Finland. Well, we get to Iceland after like six hours or seven hours on a plane. We have an hour to change planes. We get on this weird shuttle. And I've we've never been Iceland. We've been in Europe before, but never I've never been to Iceland before. So we get out and there's just like nothing. It's just like desolate. Like the Reykjavik Airport is like there's nothing. You get out, and you see shit. Like nothing. Oh my at all. god. It's desolate. <laughs> it's like so far away from somewhere yeah. it's got to be like 20 fucking minutes from the city i'm not sure how we didn't go into the city at all but we got off the thing had an hour get to the other plane fly, and all, with no sleep at all still no sleep oh my god fucking fly to finland get off our plane in finland the driver picks us up drives us to the show we check into the hotel actually then go back to the place where we're playing the show play the show proceed to get as drunk as you possibly can imagine <laughs> and these two guys kept fucking buying us the shots. They they had fernet there. You ever drink fernet before? I have not. No. Oh, fernet's just it's like this bartender liquor. It's like bartenders drink it. So we're drinking with these guys, these Finnish guys at this fucking after the show. We get so fucking hammered we have to fly to Norway the next day because that's the next day of the show. And yeah. it's instead of it's way closer than driving. You just fly. Yeah. It's cheaper actually too. Cause the way the amount of hours you have to drive to get where we're going yeah, versus flying was like a seven or eight hour drive or a 12 hour drive versus like a two hour flight. So we flew from Finland to Oslo, played that show. Then we fucking took a ferry from, no, we flew from Oslo to Copenhagen, I think yeah we flew again after that we, we did like four flights in like three that's crazy we slept like i don't know man like maybe 40 hours and five days oh my god something like that that's insane it was, dude it was it was wild insane we just got into it like straight up joint, so up and then we had no days off you guys had tour.
1: to like rent amps and stuff over there yeah rent right, whole backlight yeah did, did were you able to get that consistently at each show
2: it was the same company. Okay. Like there's a companies over there just like, hey, we have all these amps. You just say what you want. They have what you want, most likely. They literally have yeah. everything.
1: They had like the stone cutter head didn't no, it? they had the stone cutter, but they but had they the had plexi. plexi. They had the plexi that it's based off of.
2: Yep. And then the sun. No, I didn't use the sun, actually. I used a seventy two orange OR one twenty. Oh ooh, dude, it was damn. so dude, it was so sick. Uh, it was like maybe the best sounding amp I've ever played through. That's incredible, dude. And the guy was like, Yep, there you go. Just like, just, like, rented nothing. it, yeah. For, yeah. Dude, it was, like, it was ridiculous. It was, like, 25 euros a day or something like that. When Because they extrapolate over the amount of the tour, and they just charge yeah. you a lump sum for it. Yeah. And we, we, uh, we, we, it might have been 50 euros a day, but we split between two bands. Oh, wow. We rented three, three guitar, yeah, three guitar amps, with two guitar amps with a backup, th- so three guitar amps, yeah. and then two bass amps, one with a backup. And then okay. we had two 412s and an A10, and, a drum set and we just ran it all it's like 20 dude it's ridiculous they take care of people so well over that's there that's awesome dude every day we had food we had a place to sleep it just like it just didn't matter I was
1: curious about kind of like you know the logistics and the sleeping and like how well we had a good you know booking the tour engine. life was we had a good booking agent but there. I think
2: for the most part like if if you are in a band that has connections to get shows in Europe the people who promote shows and who book shows over there they're so concerned with keeping the artists happy that yeah. they will go I mean they'll actually do shit that you want them to do. Like yeah. we the first time we went over there, we went with Primitive Man and it was like they would like ask for beer, liquor, fucking weed, you know, like they would just make sure that we had yeah. stuff for us to do what we did. Like and we just went over and we did we we followed their lead. And it was yeah. awesome. And all the shows are yeah. great. It's nice to have a resource like that, though, too. You know, and the second time we we were a big brother band in that one, yeah, for sure. And then the second time we were over there, we were with another band, we were like co headlining. So we kind of had like we talked about like what we wanted to ask for, and it was the first time we've ever actually got to ask for shit. And we asked, it was, we kept it simple case of beer, case of water, case of whiskey, or not a case of whiskey, a bottle of whiskey, and a bottle of vodka, I think, and maybe like a bottle of red wine, and then an eighth of weed every day that's what we asked for this was yes just, just to see if they'd do it yeah and most every of the time most of the time they did it yeah. not all the time but a couple most of the time they did it.
1: It, it well like was there anything in particular that wasn't as much with consistency like maybe the weed not so much so or it was it kind of hit and miss i mean no we, what, yeah.
2: the germany yeah like made good every time with it hell yeah yeah germany made good with it every time with it like very cool Anything that we needed, like, Germany pretty much made, we had, made sure we had.
1: So, like, whenever you were touring over in Europe, was Germany some of your more favorite dates that you had, or was there other experiences? We had a lot of good up? times
2: over there, man. Like, most of the time, like, I mean, the nether, like, I know uh, you played
1: a few festivals, too, right? did Roadburn.
2: Yeah, Roadburn
1: is yeah. iconic.
2: We did Northern Discomfort, which used to be called Heavy Days in Doomtown. Like, we've been very fortunate, man. I think like, uh,
1: Brandon actually saw you guys over at Ro- Roadburn, because he was in, per- or in um Italy and they flew up for one of their. Yeah, uh, yeah, the first trips. time we went over there. Yeah. In 2015, I think you the, saw you. the
2: year you guys saw us in Denver. Yeah. Well, I saw you the in same, Denver. Yeah, that was the same year. Oh, wasn't it? Because it was the first time we went out west. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I know. That, that year was big, dude. We went the fucking year the first time and then went out west the first time. Kenny's brother played drums for us the first half of that tour. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Kirk flew into, I think, Portland. Yeah, Portland. Yeah. Then when played I, the rest of the way.
1: When I saw you guys in, in Denver, Kirk was with you guys. Yeah
2: hmm That was the tail end. That was like the second or third to last day. We played, like, I think, Kansas City the next day. Okay. Or maybe Colorado Springs. I think maybe we did Denver, and then we just fucking drove straight from Denver to Kansas City the next day. Yeah. So you guys use a lot of touring
1: agents and stuff, right? Or nah, it's just one dude, just oh, Ethan the Primitive one. Man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the guy.
2: If yeah. if we play anywhere other than St. Louis, Ethan. I got gotcha. Yeah.
1: He Even hooked, hooked you hooked you guys up with your European stuff. Or?
2: No, we do uh, Doom Stars, the booking agency for Europe. This guy oh, okay. named Luke, he does this. Yeah, it's just a, it's a agency thing. So if we like, if we play anywhere outside of St. Louis, it's it's kind of it's kind of cool because like. It's weird because when I was younger, like when bands, like touring bands, talk to touring bands and shit, they yeah. talk about their tour managers and all their shit. Yeah. And like, I never really understood like the old, what that all meant and their shit. responsibility. And now, and where, now like, I kind of yeah. get it like, right. But it's weird because like we, if we play in St. Louis, we can book it, you know, we right. do, we right. do our thing. Like, right. Like For sure. it's, that's what Ethan's cool as fuck because like he, primitive man is like a, a machine. Ethan is like one of the dude, I got a shout out to that motherfucker because he's like one of the most he seems like he's one of my favorite people in the world he's one of the smartest people i've ever met in my entire life as far as like being a musician and making it work for you goes and the dude is like part of maybe the heaviest live band that's out there
1: i know they're insane dismal it's like it's absolutely crushing and dismal like
2: you know anything that anything that like that guy does i'm i'm always down to support yeah the guy, the fact the guy books us i'm just super respectful and and i feel like dude, even, that dude like helped us out get us fucking the guy's gotten us rad fucking shows before
1: and i feel like they've even gotten pretty even bigger in the last few years in particular the like, kings dude they're kind of like they've become the band's band you for the know the fucking in, kings in many of the respects. underground yeah for sure.
2: there's most high respect primitive man i will always rap that band hard as fuck nobody nobody's heavier
1: one other thing I wanted to ask you about back to the gear talk was like your pedal setup. I know that there's probably some things implemented from band to band differently than one another. I pretty much, much use the same effects. thing for
2: every band. Really? Yeah. I just kind of tweak it a little bit. I, yeah. I, Over the years, I went from trying to like have like a specific genre sound and being like super fucking like, you know, over the top of the tone. Right. To like having a more controlled tone. Yeah. So like I, my amps, I've got them pretty much clean. And then I use a, a Friedman B E O D overdrive pedal. Mm-hmm. It's basically a preamp. a whole It's a whole pedal in a box. It's uh yeah. the Friedman the Jerry Cantrell amp, I think. Okay. It's a free. It's like a hot rotted Marshall style amp, but it's an amp in a box, basically.
1: I got one of the orange ones. The oh orange yeah, box. yeah. Those
2: they're awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's I don't know if it's a Baxendall preamp, but it's it's a it's a Friedman is the amp. You've probably seen that before, right? Friedman yeah, amp. So yeah. Yep. They're they're basically hot rotted Marshalls. Yeah. They're incredibly awesome high-end amps and this is like a, a a pedal version of like one of their amps. Okay. Yeah, it's got like, you know, basically everything you'd have like a full EQ. It's got like a, a tight knob. I run the gain all the way down basically for Daybringer and Path of Might mm-hmm. and then with Fist I bump just, it up a little bit. It's so bit fucking even. it's so crazy gain, yeah. dude. It's like out of control. Like I don't I used to go for that over the top gain sound, yeah. but now I want a tight fucking let's like just fucking yeah tight rock tone and i think that like playing our songs with that kind of tone now as in my my sort of more mo- modern like approach with the band like i think that like it sounds way better now i yeah. think if we if we recorded all of our songs i think they would sound like pretty good it's, it's all it's it's, tone... it's, it's it's all about like because like over the years i've learned more and more about yeah. guitar, playing guitar sure it's all about a feel yeah your feel changes yeah for sure you know over the years like and then like i've just gone like less and less like less and less harsh with my tone i want i want to like hear more of the playing right and less of like the now there there are times now when i want it to be obliteratingly loud yeah and overly like saturated with stuff and super fuzzy and i do i do have you know that Options still on the board but most of the tones out of that friedman and i mean i have like a, a dod delay uh analog delay with a tap tempo on it i've got this i've got a boss dimension c the cool pedals i got i've got an old boss dimension c like a 1986 oh okay. those little four knob uh com- uh chorus pedals have you seen yeah, those before yeah, the purple yeah, ones yeah i found a fucking sick deal on one of those during the fucking pandemic really yeah yeah i got a really good deal on that uh it's 86 where'd you find it at fucking ebay dude oh really yeah nice yeah yeah i got really into ebay during the pandemic yeah.
1: i get so sketched out i came eBay back to I ebay dude i did so and- i was
2: like craigslist for a while buying shit and yeah. then i was like you know facebook marketplace for and like dude yeah. just go back to ebay eBay's like so secure now yeah i bought a fucking computer on ebay that's awesome so i have that and then i have a boss ps3 the cave-in pedal yeah. Hell yeah. i've had that pedal for dude i've had that pedal for fuck 15 years i yeah. bought it when i First, moved to St. Louis, bought it for 60 bucks. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Now, those fucking pedals go for like $200 on yeah. eBay and shit. Oh, yeah. Dude, I have so many like crazy shit that I bought, like so much crazy shit over, yeah. the, over the years that I bought that, like, I, like, I'm sitting on like so much money. With yeah, it. it's like that's like my inheritance for anybody who wants to have it. Like, I hear you. Yeah, come murder me and you can have all my gear. Yeah. That's that's the price. That's that's my challenge to anybody. <laughs> if you murder me, you can have all my gear. That's our that's your dominance over me. I have a fuckload of rad, loud shit. Come take so you, it from you,
1: me. you run the same live rig no matter
2: what? Yeah, like, so with Pfister, I like to run two stacks, man. Like okay. I, I have to keep it, like, so the the Plexi's 100 watts, you the do Model ABY. T's 200 watts. Yeah. yeah. Run them at the same time, yeah. live all the time. I don't do any switching back and forth. Yeah. Back in the day, we would used to run like a stereo setup. Where I'd run like half my stack yeah. on my side, half stack on Kenny's, and he would run a bass stack on my side and his yeah. side. I don't like doing that anymore. I like I like us just being it our own independent the
1: sound waves too in the live it's, experience. It's sometimes. too sometimes.
2: it's too festival set up for me, which I don't yeah. mind doing it. Like yeah. I don't shy away from it. I prefer to have all my shit on one side and right. all his shit on that side because yeah. we're independent unit. Like we yeah. both, you know, like whenever we're writing the songs, like I write the songs for three people, and then I don't, I don't write two guitar parts anymore. Like I back in the day, I would like write, you know, two guitar parts to make up for that lack of not having another guitar player, and I would either track it with another amp or like another guitar, or something just to like create that some to, more separation yeah, in the song. And then like when we recorded No Spirit Within, Kenny was like, "Man, you should just like double your guitar part." Don't do two guitar parts. Don't write two different parts. Just play it through both your amps. You know, double it. Like, right. still play it two times, but play right, it through right. one amp, play it through the other amp, but play it the exact same both times. Don't do any weird double shit. Because that shit. will
1: recreate your live sound.
2: We did it, and... uh we when we did the scratch tracks for the record like we kind of did like a, a proto version of that, and it sounded kind of yeah. cool but when we did the actual recording of it it sounded great and i think yeah. we're going to do that every fucking time what we are going to start doing which is a little peek into the future or Fister uh-huh. is uh we're going to start doing a little uh weird noise stuff i think nice i think we're going to still it's the the caveman riffs will never go away it will yeah. not it will never not be like punishing like sludge beastly slow like shitty music it's gonna be lit it's gonna be that all the time but i think we're gonna start like getting more like experimental with like how we deliver some of the notes layering like i for sure yeah i think we're gonna like we got some got some cool ideas kenny got like a a boss rc 300 okay looper station you yep. ever seen one of those motherfuckers yeah. the big ones yeah they have the th- the three the three go pedals and yep. then the, the expression, expression pedal, pedal. yeah yep. so like I think we're going like to start, like, programming some, like, tones into that and, like, get some freaky tones going. Hell yeah. We've written a new song Hell that's, yeah. like, about, like, 13 minutes long. Like, it's about, it's about 13 minutes long. Hell and yeah. And, like, I think it might be, I don't know, man, it might be my favorite Fister song. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think it might be, really? dude. Like, because, like, we've, like I said, we didn't write any songs for five years. Five years it took us. And like a lot of that was like tone searching. Like yeah, I was like getting sure. comfortable here and there. Like, dude, in the middle of tours, I have bought pedals to change right, my right, tone because right. like I'll get up there and like because you well, play it's a like different stage. Chase every
1: though, sometimes with guitarists, you're always yeah. trying to chase that tone, but also at the same time, you'll sell a pedal that you'll come back to ten years later too. You know, in some cases.
2: I was a Rat guy for years. Yeah, you know, I had a 1990. I have a 1990 Rat still yeah. to this day. I've opened that thing up. LM308 inch in it. It's a fucking woodcutter rat. It's a legit, it's legit. I dated the pots back in 1990. It's an actual fucking rat, you know? The kind that, like, people have been fucking tone chasing for years. I've had had the fucking pedal for years. In the middle of a tour, I got sick of it. We're just playing, I think we were playing in fucking Chicago. Reggie's in Chicago we were playing, and I was playing, and it's like, it sounded all right, but it just didn't sound, like, fucking cool to me. And then, like, I've heard live recordings of some of the stuff we've done, like, you know, like video recordings yeah fan recordings and shit and like it, sometimes it sounds cool like sometimes it sounds a little weird to me yeah and i was like feeling super self-conscious about it like sure. in the middle of the fucking tour i went and bought that friedman pedal and like totally changed it up like Okay, I'm changing my tone yet yeah. again. I did that like four or five times. I've cycled out through so many different things, but like yeah. I keep going back. But whenever we record, though, I do have a secret weapon pedal that I use. Oh, keeping it on the hush hush? No, no, no. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, like anybody wants to borrow it, they can borrow it, dude. They know me. Like, it's not like a super oh, yeah. huge secret. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a fucking like. <laughs> Keeping it in the stables for nothing. No, it's the, like
1: uh, the Josh Hame approach with uh, the Queens of the Stone. Well, he used to be very like quiet about what he used to record their uh, music, their albums, his guitar tracks. Oh yeah, I'm just yeah. convinced no one like, wants to sound tone. like me. That's, yeah. that's 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 pretty much oh, what I'm hear Yeah. yeah.
2: No one wants to sound like More me, self-deprecating. Dude. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> this this tone is this tone is pure misery, dude. You don't want to fuck with it. Like it's just but it's rock and roll though. It's it's all just it's like when the it brown comes down sound. to it, it. It's dude, I'm chasing that. I'm chasing t- I'm chasing Jakey Lee. I'm chasing Randy Rhodes. Yeah. I'm chasing like, you know, sabotage era black sabbath. Oh, yeah. I'm chasing like thin Lizzy. Oh hell yeah! I want Thin my guitar Lindsay to sound like one Billy Gibbons. Dude, Thin yeah. Lizzy, Billy Gibbons. Like, I yeah. want I want my guitar to sound like that, but I am playing low and slow and like me, yeah, like maybe a little more gain.
1: Yeah, like once Ridge and Jake and I ended up a three piece, like we were heavy into Thin Lizzie at the time, like we were like writing a lot of like oh dude, Thin I Lizzy mean just stuff, you know? They're
2: great. I mean they're the yeah Thin Lizzie. I could listen to them for hours.
1: Oh hell yeah! I've got uh, Jailbreak and I have Ren- Renegade. On vinyl, jailbreak was a re- re-release, so it's you know, but it's at least you know. One records a record, dude. That yeah, you got it. Like to me, like spin I would it. obviously prefer to have the original, but I don't care if as long as I have it Give on a vinyl. Fuck. Yeah, it's like the experience of me, the ritual of listening to vinyl that you know that is sanctimonious to me. You know, that's well, kind of my. That's
2: kind of my, like, I don't know, religion in some yeah, respects. Yeah, dude, totally. You know? There's a ritual to it, man. You know, is, yeah, there's exactly nothing like, the ritual like that listen, goes behind it. taking the time to put a record on the fucking turntable, putting the needle on it, yeah. at the just right spot, hitting that sweet spot, yeah. listening to it, and having nothing to do but turn that record over and listen yeah. to the other side. Then maybe put another one on and just do it while you're doing it. It's like, oh shit, yeah. the record's over, gotta go slain it. You know, yeah, yeah. I feel that, man, for sure. Like,
1: Yeah, like I, I love just having the opportunity to just sit and listen to it and do nothing else, you know? That's
2: why I like, I mean, like, I don't know if it's making miserable, shitty heavy music, but having us do shit on vinyl like makes me feel pretty good like it's for people who actually like to listen to music for sure. that's the kind of band that i've always wanted to be in with yeah. whatever whatever kind of style of music i'm playing it's right. all rock and roll man that's what i mean it's all rock and roll to me and like i if if someone can get down to it and listen and have fun listening to it on a record on a turntable awesome great of
1: yeah. getting down yeah. on your stuff you got any shows coming up that you can talk about
2: yeah. Uh. Yeah. I'll fucking drop the beans yeah. on some shows. Uh, there's actually only two shows, and they're both Fister shows. We got a gig coming up July second, Saturday, at the Sinkhole. It's a two band bill. just us and Bastard. Oh fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I love Bastard. Yeah. So we're gonna do like a invade the Sinkhole. Just two bands. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let it rip. Uh, I've the, wanted to see a show at the Sinkhole, and I haven't yet. Dude, come on up. It'd be a great night. Hell yeah. Yeah. We'll fucking bring it out. We're. It's just two bands, so we're gonna do kind of a longer set. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Bo- yeah.
2: Both bands are just kind of let it breathe. Yeah.
1: Isn't uh, one of the guys from Lion's Daughter in Bastard?
2: Yeah, Scott. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, Scott from yeah. Block. Yeah. Okay. And then and uh, Jason from Storm Ruler. Jason Asbury's the yeah. drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Bastard. I had
1: him on the show a few weeks ago too. And we talked, we touched on Bastard a little bit. But we were primarily talking about Storm Ruler because it was yeah. right before they were going out on tour. Oh,
2: dude. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. dude, Storm Ruler was like, dude, that was the most, like I said, the Storm Ruler and Path were the two most challenging bands. But dude, yeah. learning that Storm Ruler shit was insane. It is nuts. Yeah. Shout I was out to, to that. Jason. Dude, Jason's a like, fucking dude. Shout out to those boys. He's like, seriously so one of
1: the most talented musicians I've ever met in my entire life. I'm like, telling and, you right now. And he's now. only in his early 20s. <laughs> that,
2: that man humbled me. Yeah. Dude, that man humbled sure. me on guitar like for fucking months learning that material. And I'm still. Still, like honored that they took me out on tour and dug, yeah and like dug my playing yeah, and stuff and, like for it, sure. it was it was hard but i pulled it off yeah i pulled it off and it was it was the most like the most uncharacteristic guitar playing that i've done sure i think ever in my life but it was cool though like i felt like i felt honored that he wanted well i felt honored a that he wanted me to step so far outside my yeah. fucking my wheelhouse to try sure. to, he thought of me that highly to try yeah, to do that for sure absolutely and it was it was a challenge for sure yeah. but like dude i big respect to those guys love them i'd played
1: with jay in like a little irish cover band to make some music killer uh, yeah with uh, casey reeves down here oh nice for a minute. yeah so, like, he's told me about that me and jay like we hooked up it was kind of one of those instances like reminiscent not that i like played with him but he was i think one time he was playing some kid had like tried to open up a venue in park hills and it was one of those situations like oh new venue is gonna open and yeah never came of it you know, like, we kind of get typical around here after the rock house closed and Barbarino's stopped doing yeah. live shows. Man. So, like, Jay was up there practicing drums, and I was, like, there to buy a PA or something like that. Yeah. And, then, you know, like, I was, like, I said something to him, like, I oh mean, I like your playing, but he was, like, 12 at yeah. the time. Oh, like, dude, he was yeah, really yeah. young. Like, he's been a survivor, yeah. for, like, years. And I was, like, man, I was, like, you're already better than I am at your age. And, like, just from that moment on, we just, like, ran back into each other until we started, we did that little cover band thing but jay's an awesome guy and an insane musician He played anything and everything well like he played upright bass in that so yeah you know and and that comes with its own challenges and styles that you have to approach upright bass with
2: dude like i said man truly humbled as a musician like you think you're hot shit and you see this fucking dude like <laughs> rip it rip you the fuck up yeah the kid dude we brought him on tour i can't call i can't call him a kid he's a fucking man sure motherfucker's a man yeah he is, there ain't definitely. nothing kid about that no, human being for sure. let me let me continue this Jason simping to just be, to just like on these to, simp, just, simp modes. <laughs> yeah, we're just full, full simp mode for Jason right now. Let me just tell you that boy that, that ain't no boy. That's a man. Yeah, for sure. So, anyways, took him on tour. Never really been on tour that long before. Dude handled it like a fucking professional. So, I mean, that's it really
1: was like, funny. He was talking to me too. Like, you know, he was very you know revealing about like he's like oh, I didn't know what I was doing and that sort of stuff. But like. You know, like, it seemed like he had a good time. Obviously, everybody's, you duty know, chilling each other out like there. Duty. I mean... Yeah. I mean, but he learned Kenny, so much from that experience, just by rubbing off on him too. We, did, to we kind didn't, of prepare for this tour too. He talked a little bit about that.
2: We didn't. We didn't put him through hell, man. Like, yeah. I mean, we we brought him out with a mutual respect to him. Like, yeah. I had a, I had I knew the dude could handle it. Like, it was not like a grueling sort of thing. Yeah. Like, we you know we didn't sleep on too many floors. Like, right. We did sleep on Matt Pike's floor though. Hell yeah. Yeah. Did he tell you about real. that? No, I don't think he. He did. didn't tell you about that. I don't think so. Oh, shit, dude. Yeah. No. So like we in Portland, I uh, can't believe he didn't bring it up. No, he Matt Pike lives in Portland, right? So yeah. we played there, and uh, Matt Pike's wife is a friend of Andrew Ryder, Rigs of Doom, and he was like, "Hey, if you guys need a place to stay, Alyssa Pike fucking says you guys can sleep at their house." Holy shit! So we fucking stayed at Matt Pike's house. And, That's awesome. Uh, I got picked. Yeah, pictures of fucking dude. We I slept like fucking fifteen feet away from his Grammy. <laughs> 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 that's hilarious like dude. uh that's insane yeah here hold on it's like right here yeah dude i fucking... assumed
1: you guys were tight with the rigs of doom guys because oh I'd dude seen it's new it, stuff on there no no, no. rigs of doom guy oh it's, guy it's one fellow i got gotcha. you
2: yep that's andrew Ryder. he's a good he, dude he's one of the best dudes ever shout out andrew Ryder. rigs of doom oh, yeah. holding it the fuck down
1: rigs of doom have like they've always have very interesting stuff on their social media feeds.
2: That's what started. Yeah, there goes hot. Huh, yeah, or he, that's, that's Matt say. Pike. That's Matt Pike's fucking Grammy. That's on hilarious. On his mantle. That's that's <laughs> one of his JCM800s. And his that's and awesome. His, he has this garage Cat. attached to the back of his house that has yeah. all his jam shit in there. That's, that's his. That's his nine string guitar. Dude, he's insane. That's his dog. <laughs> got a picture of his dog yeah
1: <laughs> yeah this is all before the, the show
2: too we fucking like dropped off our shit and like just she gave us a whole tour of the house dude we slept there that night came back and like just rip dude bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl like yeah. just getting high i was like i gotta get higher. as fucking matt pikes he wasn't there i mean yeah. he was obviously he was out of town but shout out to Alyssa. Hell yeah. Fucking, she's a tattooer also. She fucking does a tattoo artist in Portland. She's fucking rad too. She's also in uh, Lord Dying. I didn't know she's that. the bass player for Lord Dying, yeah. I did not know that. And yeah, has uh, done a bunch of other stuff around town too, like fucking just been killing it in the game for a long time but yeah she she fucking hosted us that night and yeah that's, i did a slip 15 feet away from a grammy
1: that's wild <laughs> yeah you know at first when you said grammy i thought you were talking about it like his elderly mother or something no <laughs> and, uh, then i remembered. oh yeah he does have a grammy when he showed it to me <laughs> like,
2: no, I'm, I'm staying in mad pike's kitchen yeah. you know like I'm, i might as well his
1: grammy's it. in here flipping some yeah. you know melted cheese sandwiches
2: <laughs> no yeah that was like just like yeah yeah, Andrew, Andrew fucking Ryder made that happen. Like He just like Howard us like, hey, like, these guys need a place to stay. Yeah, yeah and, and Jason's that's with cool. us, and he's like, this is what you do, to do on tour? It's like, we don't really stay at Not Matt Pike's house every time. <laughs> but this time, yes. <laughs> but this time, yes, we are. I'm sorry. Yeah, so that's what's up. <laughs> so you talked about
1: your show coming up on July 2nd.
2: Yeah, and actually the night after that, too, we're going to Rock Island, Illinois, with Bastard. Okay. For a little festival, Wake Brewing, I don't know. They haven't announced it yet. But that's what we're going to do. Right on. I don't think Jason will care if I say that.
1: Have you guys ever played at uh, or been to True Brewing? It's out yeah. In Colorado. Yeah, in Denver. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's on the little uh, Broadway. So like the the mutiny, the cafe is on the yeah. same street as, as True. And then the high dive we played there. And then there's a I've, weed dispensary that we go to all the time. I there feel too. like
1: I went to a show or at least I was like I was in the vicinity of the high dive. Like, so it's right across the venue. street
2: from uh, Mutiny. Okay. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. It's like the same, that little like, like cross-act, like little uh, Broadway. I think it's close and, to
1: like an independent theater also.
2: So like Three Kings, there's a place called Three Kings down there too. Mm-hmm. Down the street there is the uh, True Brewing.
1: Yeah, it opened up after the last time I was out there. At least I wasn't aware of it. If it the had... drummer
2: from Chemist is uh I was wondering if there was it. a connection yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Zach.
1: Okay. Whenever uh, Brandon came out for Ridge's wedding, he brought us all like true beer and stuff cause nice. we went out there. Yeah, if sleep. you're a,
2: if you're a touring band, you get free beer. Oh shit! I think you like get a, so. a free beer, hey. or they also like just might, like might get you drunk. I'm not sure. We we <laughs> we, went, we had one. Yeah. I yeah. hear you. Fucking shout out to True Brewing. Fuck yeah.
1: Oh, you talked about the other shows in Illinois? Yeah. I mean, Rock Island,
2: Illinois. It's a, it's a little fest. It's like a, we did a little thing last year there with Wake Brewing, and it's going to be another, basically another thing from a fest. This just unannounced. Like, I am sure, i don't know if I'll get in trouble. I'm sure we'll get in trouble with that. A fuck. <laughs> it's just shows, man. Just come out to it, man. I hear you. Come out, come out and watch us sure. play.
1: Yeah, no doubt.
2: Yeah, but uh, yeah, unannounced July 2nd. Uh,
1: Day Bringer got anything coming up?
2: No, we're writing right now. We were like kind of writing a new record. Uh, our uh, schedule's are a little weird guys travel fucking we all have weird work schedules and stuff we, we still practice once a week Manage usually like to manage once a week practice yeah just writing man like getting stuff together to do another full length i think we have about like 20 minutes of stuff okay yeah like maybe like 20 or 25 minutes of well,
1: stuff. is the single that you already put out is that just gonna be its own standalone single or is it gonna yeah be part it of does that?
2: providence is just a one-off thing okay we, we thought okay. about making that like the beginning of a new record but like we're not gonna do that uh, yeah. we're gonna do like a whole other thing we've already i'll play uh off the air i'll play fucking play you some stuff right on uh, yeah we have a fucking cool couple little hell things yeah. we're cooking right now hell yeah maybe like i said like maybe 20 minutes of stuff right okay. now we're gonna do maybe a full record though yeah we got dads in the band, you know. You're a dad, yeah, you know. How it goes. I know how it goes for sure. I'm yeah. the only non dad, non married guy in that band. Oh, really? Yeah, but me and Liz have been together almost as long as Brian. Most of there. Yeah, Brian and his wife—they've been together like way longer than us, but longer than those guys. So basically, I'm, yeah. I'm a non, I'm a non dad.
1: <laughs> it's got, it's got to kind of feel weird to be in the minority in that situation. I'm now. the oldest it's guy in the, the like band. I'm the, I'm the oldest guy in the band. I'm not a dad. That's wild. I know guys my age that are fucking
2: grandpas,
1: dude. Yeah, I know it's a thing. I don't I don't know anybody in that situation that's, specifically. Dude, but I know guys that are
2: my age and younger that are grandpas.
1: That's crazy. It's hard to imagine that that's a possibility, but like I I guess I got a I got a few friends that had kids when they were like 17, so the age difference would be very similar.
2: Dude, yeah. I mean, yeah. like his yeah, he's 34 and his fucking oldest kids 18 yeah. years old. That's wild to think of that. That's a possibility, uh, dude. Yeah, that I shit know. happens. I know, man. 33 year old grandpa, dude. That shit blew that, my mind. That's crazy. That's not even the same dude. It's doesn't another even sound guy. Right. It's another guy. That doesn't even sound right. It's a grandpa <laughs> when he's 33. His kid, his kid, who was 17, had a kid. Oh, my God. So he was 33, he had a 17 year old. Do the math yeah, on that yeah. one. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Just about that time, they just get yeah. that horny. Yeah. That's wild. I just gotta gotta procreate, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on this earth 17 years. It's time to procreate. Yeah.
1: That's a lot of wild oats that need sewed. I know, right? (laughs) For real. Well, Path of Mike, got anything coming up?
2: At the moment we have August 1st, I believe. I think it's August 1st at the new Ready Room. We're opening for Dreadnought.
1: That's opening up where Atomic Cowboy was, right?
2: Or October 1st. Is it October 1st? August 1st, I
1: can't remember. But that's, I think they took over the actual space that the Atomic Cowboy occupied previously and they're reopening yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, it's the right? same building, yeah. yeah.
2: The, so they're gonna do, yeah, you saw the RFT article. It's essentially article.
1: across the the road.
2: Yep, you know? yep. Did you see the RFT article about yes, it Yes, I did. Yep, yeah. killer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll, yeah. Refer to the RFT article. Yeah. You guys need any, any, Citation uh, here. Any, <laughs> yeah, any, any, any citation or information needed further than that. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be sick. Uh, uh, yeah. Fun times. Yeah, doing, uh, it's us, Blackwell all right yeah i'm not i'm not mm-hmm. well informed on that i'm sorry
1: yeah it's all good yeah, well of course you guys just had that album come out deep chrome as well recently yeah we plays was... viper matrix on the show previously on the jonestown
2: episode thank you very much oh
1: we were happy to do it it's on fucking ribs
2: dude it's great sure. man i do i'm telling you they're still one of my favorite bands i listen to that record a lot actually yeah. still even being a member of the band it's like, still kind of like weird that i get to be a part of it keeps me boned up but also like I love like rocking that shit. Yeah. It's great. It blew my mind. For like sure. it's it's something it's, it's something. Yeah, sure. dude. I, I I can't praise it enough. Yeah. I hate to be that guy, but like Fucking dude. Yeah. dude i did i was still like you hear about guys like wanting to be in a band right. and they end up in a band
1: and you touched on them having a synth player as well but yeah. like i like how there's almost like a carpenter tone to the synth approach at times and the music too like i that that like you know like my favorite things probably to watch are 80s horror movies like it's what i grew yeah. up on big time so you know like especially carpenter was in a lot of that you know in yeah it's in that work. sort
2: of like with the synth the voicings of the synth like right. joel right. joel and derek got together on that really really like really well like they spend a lot of time on it and i i think that the the it cuts through in just the right way It, 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 it it's it's not overbearing though it's too, not overbearing at all it can be a lot of times i mean there's you can hear five things happen you know i think it's it's definitely a big star of the show on the record for sure yeah absolutely and they, they did a great job i mean i had nothing to do with the record other than vocals that's it <laughs> on one part and it's funny too because we're re- playing it live now damn it well <laughs> i don't even do the vocals live spencer sings my part oh really yeah it's weird. It's like, I just, I was like, so it's funny because one of the reviews that we did, uh, that they did for the record, I can't remember which one it was, was talking about the vocals and they mentioned me being in the band. It's like, oh, then Marcus does vocals on Armitage the whole way, you know, Armitage. I keep saying Armitage. <laughs> you can tell I'm the fucking new guy in the band. It's Armitage is how you say that, by the way. No, Spencer does vocals the whole, you know, beginning of the song or whatever. Yeah. And it, it they think it's me. Cause I jump in like halfway through his part I gotcha. and do the rest of the time. But it sounds so similar. Cause I was, yeah. he was like, just kind of like do what I was doing. You know, I was like, I, cause I did, this is like in the middle of the pandemic. It's like July yeah. of 2020. I think I was like, I don't want to go. I don't I mean I can do it in the studio. I can do it in our practice space. Yeah. I have a computer. I have like a fucking microphone to do it. Yeah. You know, I borrowed a microphone to do it and fucking set it up and did it and like did my best. I haven't had to vocals in fucking months blew my voice out completely yeah. like drank like fucking four beers, like ripped yeah. like five or six shots of tequila. I yeah. was just like 45 seconds worth of music. Yeah. I'm in there for like two hours, yeah. like just getting sauce, like trying yeah. to loosen my vocals up to like, sure. Get the death metal sound that, yeah, that sure. I wanted to do for this thing. And like, it ended up working out really well. Gabe fucking turned it into a brutal part. And now they think Spencer part and my part of the same. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, dude, everyone who was coming up to me at the show was like, dude, good job on the record i'm like yeah man thanks i'm not on it except for some vocals yeah i just, I just learned it yeah just, you know that's it, hilarious and like i said man it was a fucking challenge but like it really like that show was great like yeah. all the bands were awesome like it was a great showing of the local fucking talent yeah. we have in st louis like we're blessed with a lot of good bands i hate to use yeah. the word blessed because i'm not a fucking yeah blessed what the fuck, what what the, what the
1: fuck? What that's why we a southern that word colloquialism <laughs> it really you know we are very fortunate there you go <laughs> we're blessed, lucky blessed begets religious connotations yeah I know yeah, yeah. yeah What the, who the fuck yeah blessed who the fuck am I hashtag blessed over that, here that country chic that's me dude <laughs> country chic Marcus over here that's me
2: dude you're friendly redneck this fucking dude I work with like told me I was totally he's like cause I was we were putting shit away <laughs> and uh I was like oh you gotta put those ones and these ones over there and he goes god damn dude you just from South City, St. Louis. I was like, no, I'm fucking from way more south from that. He goes, Oh. Yeah. Makes even more sense. It's like, damn it, dude, I am a fool." <laughs> God damn it. My countryside like bleeds through so hardcore. It's fucking crazy. But like my mom was born down here and my dad was born in the upper tier New York State. Like basically kind of near Canada. Okay. Yeah. And he has like a, like uh some kind of like on my dad's side, there's like some French Canadian roots nice yeah so like that's part like i'm half so french canadian yeah. half french canadian yeah, yeah. And half fucking <laughs> my mom down you know, iron yeah County. <laughs> yeah and so like it like it's weird because like i run into like feeling both those like when we go to the east coast i feel like right at home sure. philly and you know yeah. fucking jersey dc yeah. baltimore New York City especially, like, I fucking feel... I, I I love New York. I know
1: you guys have gotten a chance to play, like, at St. Vitus, too, mm. which, like, that would be, a, like, a dream venue for me, and I know Jay just played there, and Nathan just played there, Old, who I talked to, too, previously.
2: Yeah. Dude, there... It's, it's my favorite U.S. venue that's not in St. Louis. Hell yeah. It's, like so accommodating to the artists like even if you're just a band playing there because yeah. the, they have regular sh- i mean it's it's huge it's like it's the place to play if you play in right. brooklyn like it's right the nirvana the reformed nirvana play right there, right like, right right the nirvana fucking after party fun show where yeah. fucking you know all the celebrities showed up yeah there, like you know anthrax played there i think yeah all these bands have played this place right it's small you know and right. it's tight and it's Exclusive and shit, like yeah, it's just been cool to been be a part of up there. Yeah, and
1: like the I know that the layout's a little bit better, and I obviously haven't been there, and you have, but it like it feels to me like that, like when I see it on videos and stuff, the feeling that you got from the old creepy crawl, like it was very yeah, it's like a bigger DIY, more family. You, you can't know. get on. The I know sides. it's bigger. Can't okay. get on
2: side. so. You walk in the Vitus. It's also it's a black door on the street. There's no signs.
1: Oh, that's cool. I mean, there's, a, like sign, a, there's a sign, approach. but like it's you get it's the, real
2: flat. You know where you know where it is because the building is a building, but like yeah. it's a fucking black door. Yeah, you walk in. Bars on the side. It's it's just a straight shotgun back. I got you. Fucking room's pretty big, but it's just a straight big room. There's no nothing. You can't like there's I mean there's obviously fire exits and shit, but like yeah, you know it's just one big room that's cool with the bar in one part sectioned off little you know sectionals then like a middle thing where the atm and shit is and then the big room in the back and the sound the fucking pa is so loud it just fucking it slams like it fucking slams hell yeah it's just it's dude it's the coolest and the i mean the area downstairs where the bands go hang and shit like yeah it's just awesome like it's so cool and it's like right in the heart we've never had a bad show there like people just show up if you play there, people will Have you played there several times? Three times, I think.
1: With Just Fister, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: we played there in 20, let's see, we played there in 2013 with Lion's Daughter. It's our first time there played there in 2014 my dad was driving the van
1: i saw that your dad drove the van at some point yeah he drove there? that tour that's yeah. awesome yeah
2: he he always wanted to we were like fuck that's it, so Come along. cool dude. yeah dude it was my 30th birthday incredible we played, we played at saint vitus on my 30th birthday wild we dude. opened for mournful congregation imprecation big eximius i can't remember who else but it was called martyr fest wow it was my 30th birthday dude
1: yeah what a memory yeah right for sure
2: and then we just played there again in 2019 yeah played there with us and body void and pieron oh and sea of bones oh sea of bones yeah it was dude it was was like the heavy dude it was like the heavy show of the fucking fall like it was the two two of the heaviest doom bands two of like you know actually three of the heaviest doom bands because fucking body void is fucking gnarly if you've listened to sea of bones yeah yeah. See, yeah, it's fucking ungodly heavy. Body oh, right. void, ungodly heavy. Yeah. Just scary. Like, yeah. Frightening.
1: Which. Yeah, Ridge turned me doing on a all split that.
2: With, doing a split with them, by the way.
1: Oh, for real?
2: Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Awesome, dude. We're, we're currently working out that material. Hell yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 well, we're materializing that material yeah. right now. And then uh, Piron, who are homies, like Doug, Doug and the boys from Piron, just absolute maniacs have you listened to that band before i don't think so oh man check them out pier they're like psychedelic death metal that like oh shit will just blow your mind hell it's like yeah. death spell omega but american hell yeah and way heavier hell yeah it's so good i have to check them uh, out for sure yeah it was yeah it was us see bones pier and body void at vitus in 2019 yeah right before covid yeah
1: yeah i know you've done quite a few different splits with other people teeth primitive man too yeah yeah you know, you mentioned the one that you're about to do. What What, what is the always of the approach with that? Because I find that interesting. Like, you know, I never really realized kind of the split concept and how popular it was, even in the old school hardcore scene until like I saw a video about Stephen Brodsky talking about a while back, I feel like.
2: Yeah. Well, like back when we first started like doing like well, I mean, the concept of splits is more just like kind of the cross promotion. Exactly right. Mutual respect. Like, hey, this band rules. You know, we should fucking sure. put a record out that both of our fans would enjoy. Yeah. Kind of, that's, that's the way I always definitely, the, it. yeah, the modern modern day approach, at least for sure. And we just happened to link up with cool bands, like, yeah. Uh, our first split was with Norska, okay, or no, The Lion's Daughter. I'm sorry, wow, I'm bad at my own band's history. Yeah, our first split was <laughs> The Lion's Daughter. It was our like our the songs we didn't use for Bronze Sonic, we put on the split okay. with the Lion's Daughter, and then and the Lion's Daughter. We also
1: sp- did one with The Everything Went Black, didn't yeah, yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, covered, we covered each other's them. songs, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, rest in peace, Shaggy. The guitar player for Everything With Black. That's oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, he. Well, he's been dead for a little the, while. The poor now. man. The poor man's been dead for for many years. Yeah, like he's a good dude though. He's one of our. Everyone loves Shaggy.
1: I I love everything. Everything went black is well. so heavy. Yeah, yeah. Hell night sweet too. Yeah, like those guys. St. Louis, dude, we're like overabundant yeah, There's a, with a lot like of really bands. good heavy bands up in St. Louis right yeah. now, for sure.
2: There's all kinds of like newer bands too that are like killing it too. Every time that I book. Which is very rare nowadays. If I book bands in St. Louis, like yeah. the bands that I get to like open for them are fucking all awesome. Like, yeah. We're so lucky. i played across country with a lot of shitty bands. Sure. <laughs> like, well, well
1: you getting out and playing other elsewhere, I know it sounds People simple, not but giving a fuck. Like, yeah, you've got to experience a lot of that on the grander scale as well, too.
2: The not nice part of me gets enacted when I see a band not giving a shit about yeah. what they're doing. Like, come on, yeah. dude. Like, give a fucking shit about what you're doing. Yeah. Like,
1: come on, dude. It, well, it kind of goes back in and we talk about it doing it for the right reasons as well. Are you playing music just for celebrity or are you playing music because you actually enjoy it? You know, do you get some sort of reward out of it? Are you writing music for you? Are you writing music for somebody else? Yeah. You know, A lot of people look back at it. In all those themes.
2: Yeah. A lot of people look at it like they they are trying to prove something to somebody. Like, I'm not trying to prove shit to anybody. Right. I mean...
1: That's very liberating, though, too.
2: Like, yeah. once you've come across that bridge, if you will. Dude, I mean, like, I could, I, whatever I want to write, I'm going to write, man. Like, yeah. It's never been like a question ever. Sure. You know, even back in the day, whenever you get offered offered shit by stuff, like when I was young, way younger, like those are the days where when you're super young, when you're super young and you're in a your band, you think about how can I commoditize, commoditize myself? Like, yeah. how can I make myself a new commodity that people want to listen to? With how good I am at what I do. What you're good at is exploited because you can churn it out at a high fucking volume. Right, right, right. As you get older and people like care less and less about that, you sort of like, you, you decay. You sort of sure. like, you degrade and you decay. And what you are able to put out is like not as pure. On the other hand, coming at it from the way that like I, I feel like I have and a lot of my friends have, like. It's more
1: measured, some though, I think in your instance. You know, yeah, that's like what I'm saying. saying like
2: that. Coming at it from the way that me and a lot of my friends that I associate with have come at it, like, it's more rewarding because yeah. you care about it. Right. Like, you actually care about it. Like, I care about what I want people to hear me play. It comes down to me, really, I mean, dude, I work so much. Like, yeah. we, we're all regular people. We're all right. working and shit. Right, man. Right, like, right, The time that I devote to writing music, mm-hmm. like, I don't fucking have time to, like, bullshit. Yeah, with anything. Yeah, anything that I write, it's it's very purposeful, right? And it it comes down to me being able to express that in a way that is healthy for me, healthy for the people that I create music with, Mm -hmm. and at some point gets to a point. Well, (laughs) at some point, it gets to a point where like you have to like say, well, I've been doing this for so long that like. I'm attuned to it now where it's just second nature. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just second nature. Right.
1: You don't even think about all the steps to get like, it kind of goes back into time management too. I want to make this point for, forget it too. Like we were talking about that earlier, the convenience of demoing your own stuff now. Yeah, You know, the most rewarding thing somebody can give you nowadays though, is their time. Yep. You know, to me, like I've started to learn that as I've matured as well, it's like, you can have all the, you know, earthly possessions in the world or whatever the case is. Like, the real valuable thing is time. Especially, like, once you have kids, it kind of humanizes you. Yeah. In the sense, it's like... <laughs> there's even things, like, that happen with my oldest daughter now, who's eight, that I think about. And, like, I don't even remember it, as sad as that sounds in some respects. Because we're yeah. just, like... There was so much going on at the time and i didn't really appreciate some of the things now i appreciate about having a three-month-old year daughter too there's like little moments that i wish that i recognized more that i know that i can take the time with and approach in a different manner now as a father you can Even bring up, those
2: up to the present though too yeah you can bring those up to the present yeah and that's yeah. exactly
1: what i'm doing now with yeah. you know ava is like i'm lingering in on those moments that you know even she's just sitting there cooing at me, looking at me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll just like sit down and just stare at her for you know hours sometimes. You yeah. know, and just like talk to her, like just like where you and I are talking right now. For sure. And she'll like they occasionally, receive that. Like a coo at me or talk, and she's really starting to verbalize and enunciate stuff now. But
2: they receive that, dude. To
1: tie that back into the music is that as you get older too, you start to learn. Where to dedicate your time to? Yeah, as you pol- as you polish yourself as a musician to the things that you really need to work on, things that you don't need to work on per se. That aspect of things, but also it kind of gets back into the relationship aspect of having bands, is knowing those tight knit people that you can play this music with and make best use of the time that you have together too creatively.
2: Yeah, I mean you're you take the time to do it, and you want to do right. it right. Right, you know you have people who are with you who are willing to like receive what you're trying to give them. And yeah, take the time to do it
1: right. Yeah, for sure. So I want to thank you for giving me your time today, for sure, man. It's my pleasure, dude. It's, man, pleasure, it's, dude. it's, it's a been a great time. honor, and I really appreciate you having you on the podcast. Working. I hope you have,
2: I hope you have some saveable stuff, man. Yeah, <laughs> I think we do. Yeah,
1: for sure. There's a little nugget of something in there everywhere. Well, I so. hope so. Well, I think I think it'll be a good conversation for people yeah. to hear for sure. Most definitely. I know that all your bands are on all the social medias out there. Facebook, yeah, just look Instagram, at. We'll, so we'll and link so it up. forth. I'm gonna yeah link up the posts that we do for you guys, and then
2: uh i wanna, I'm gonna include like a special like live uh live song uh little, hell yeah little marcus e p. all right I'll put a link i'll send i'll just have a link you can share that works with whenever we announce hell yeah, yeah, I'm done like, with it. make a little Google drive thing that's got the three songs in it,
1: all right, very good, but I love the creative aspect that you bring to your music, you know you've been an inspiration to me. I appreciate you giving me your time today. I appreciate the music that you put out in the universe that I've enjoyed. You know, as a consumer of music, I know it sounds kind of robotic, but... Nah, man. You know, like, I will even go... And take the time to, you know, there's a lot of music out there nowadays, a lot of people, yeah. and the access to music's not what it used to be as well. Like, if you have a Spotify account, you just about have access to anything, yeah. you know, at this point. Hey, man. And, like, I really do take the time to listen to stuff that you've put out there. And dude, situations like this that makes you, you want to keep doing it, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for your time, brother. Dude. You're the best. dude All right. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for sticking around after the break. Special thanks to all that listened to episode 14 with Zach Berry of Enemy Airship and Yards of Gods. Find Enemy Airship on Bandcamp, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. We've got links on our stories for Enemy Airship's Bandcamp. So whenever you guys get a chance, check them out. Want to set the table for next week? Next week we have Jared PQ for episode 16. Jared is a Frederictown native and a fascinating dude who's got ties to many of the bands, musicians, and artists that have come out of this area in the last 20 years. We're going to talk about life in Fredrock, or Fredericktown, Pissbridge, and the romantic memories that he has there. <laughs> the Razor, which is a treat, and we will be playing some Razzer tracks on the episode as well. But what I really wanted to get into was Jared's present day's interest. Jared is out on the West Coast now. He's an avid outdoorsman hike. High- hiker hiker and i just want to pick his brain talk about some of his amazing experiences and share some of his stories with everybody we're also going to be sharing some pictures that he's taken on his hikes and his adventures as well thanks to this week's guest marcus newstead once again Check out Marcus's Projects, Fister, Daybringer, Path of Mike Follow them on Facebook and Instagram for show updates. Music is available for all streaming platforms of these bands that I've mentioned. But we always want to encourage our folks, our listeners, anybody that listens to this, please check out Artists on Bandcamp. Contribute to what you can, especially coming off the heels of something like the pandemic that's been devastating to multiple businesses. But artists in and of themselves were impacted just as much with the unfortunate you know, shutdowns and those things and their inabilities to tour and so on and so forth. So check out Marcus's bands, Fister, Daybringer, and Path of Might on Bandcamp. Check them out. See if you like anything. Get some physical media. Can't encourage you to do that enough. Collect their items. Let them know what you like about them on their social medias. They're on Facebook, they're on Instagram. They put show updates on their Facebook, so you always know what they got going on. Marcus mentioned a show coming up in July in our discussion that they're having with Bastard at Sinkhole. So check that out as well in early July, July 2nd. Thanks again to Cloud Kicker for the use of you and yours from their album, Let Yourself Be Huge for the ATI Podcast Open congratulations river on your pre-k graduation we're proud of you buddy i am barrett at barry insane on instagram and twitter and until next time good night and good luck Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast 22 on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are
2: always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at atipodcastquestions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there.